Hello, this is Holman's MacBook calling. I'd like to request that he not type on me after eating barbecue. Hey, now. It's disgusting. Oh, and the show has been good lately. Yeah, right. Just kidding. What? You blow. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, wait, why is your MacBook hating on us, dude? Well, apparently I dropped some barbecue sauce on it this week <laughs> when I was in the middle of my writing uh, frenzy. Yeah, dude, uh, you have a story that I'm excited to read uh, a few paragraphs from. All right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I can do it justice. It'll be- probably be a bedtime story for most of our listeners, but- uh, well, well, why do you say that? Just, I don't, I don't think so. the way you read. The way that I read? No, I'm no, animated. The story itself is great. I'm not going to turn it into a lullaby or anything. No, I'll bring it to life. All right, you uh, are you claiming to be a good narrator? I think so. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give it a shot. All right. And if I suck, you can take over. Uh, all right. Then I will have the same <laughs> screen open uh, that you do at the exact. Just same read time. along with me and just segue out of me and into you if I'm bad. I'm just gonna tell you right now, no James Earl Jones. I you don't do that. Are not? Nope. Nope. No, I don't have that. I have a. You're not high even Samuel L. Jackson. Not even close. You're not even Sam Elliott. How about Sam Worthington? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you hear our uh, friend Lynn Woodward and her uh, co-driver, navigator, Sedona Blinson, killed it in the Rebel Rally in their 2020 Nissan Frontier? I did hear that. They were top five, and uh, they had uh, 1,329 points and 81% accuracy. I mean, that sounds pretty solid. Does that mean that they screwed up 19% of the time? <laughs> I wouldn't say screwed up. <laughs> I would say that uh, this is an extremely difficult thing that re- requires more brain power than we would have. Because if they stuck us out there with a map and compass, we'd mm-hmm. probably, I don't know, find the local uh, Wiener Schnitzel instead of uh, the waypoint that was presented <laughs> to us. We would stop at a 7-Eleven and get just slushies. Uh, yeah, right? big, big gulps. <laughs> Question for you. What was the name of their 2020 Frontier? Do you know? Uh, I don't. Scarlet. No, that makes sense from the color that it was. Yeah. I'm kind of curious because I, I read in the 4x4 class uh, that our friend Emmy Hall was tied for fifth. So either uh, they were tied with uh, Lynn or did Lynn beat her? I don't know. We need to get Lynn back on the show to gloat. <laughs> don't, don't you think? And we need to talk about all those yeah. Nismo parts after she's, uh, I mean, obviously she's the driver. So well, She's got a quote here talking about it. She says the uh, the Nismo suspension was uh, butter. It was the perfect addition to the truck. Oh, and Sedona says here the Nismo suspension was butter. I quote literally, she wrote butter. It was the perfect addition to the truck. Great. We should have uh, Lynn back on because I can't wait to hear uh, from, uh, from her own words since she drove that thing all over the place what she thought about it because that's going to be available, like we talked about, uh, across the entire Sounds like almost all of the uh, late model Nissan offerings. I think even some of the Xterras as well. Yeah, the Nismo parts are going to be available for the 05 to 20 model year Frontier, 2016 to 21 Titan, and 2005 to 2015 Xterra, and they're basically available now. Yeah, I think uh, before, definitely before the end of the year, right? Yeah, go to nismoparts.nissanusa.com for a full list of the available parts. Awesome. So if you're in the market for a uh, 2020 Nissan Frontier, now is the time to take advantage and get that 3.8 liter V6 and 9-speed automatic transmission. And you know it's competitive in races. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're looking for that Frontier or you want a uh, all-new 2020 Nissan Titan, Titan XD, head over to your Nissan dealer, NissanUSA.com, or uh, build in price, find one that you like, and take it home. And of course, if you tell them the Truck Show podcast sent you, they will look at you and say, what? Who? (laughs) They will. (laughs) Don't know what you're talking about there, buddy. Hey, uh, I saw some uh, stuff starting to trickle out on our old uh, friends from Debt. Some of our listeners are saying, we already know what it is now. Well, Why are you holding on to the news as if you're breaking something? You're not, Well, well we right? sort of are. We are? We're breaking our involvement in it. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> so uh, I also saw some uh, people on social and some influencers have started to uh, get packages from Debt for installs for the Now, launch. did you hook up Travis Hess? 
I mean, maybe. Huh. I heard you hooked up Travis Hess, too. <laughs> I did. How did he get to be, like, what's the- I want to know how Travis Hess found both of us. Independently, you, of, independently each other. of each other. He had no idea that we knew each other. No, and he, uh, I met him through uh, Jerry Camberg, and I've been following his Insta, mm-hmm. and uh, great stuff, awesome content, super cool dude. And then I thought he would be perfect for the uh, the deck guys because of all the types of things that he does, and right. it threw his name out there. And then he hit me back and said, "Hey, dude, I didn't know you knew Jay." And I'm like, "Jay, who?" <laughs> yeah, so he's he's an Instagrammer, and uh, we yeah. have we have a couple mutual friends, and they hooked me up and like, "Hey, he's got a 2020 Ram," and. He's got it's sluggish and he needs a pedal monster, blah, blah, blah. So I, I dialed him in. He's primarily an Instagrammer, but he's uh, really ramping up his YouTube presence. Yeah. So uh, if you want to check him out, at Travis Hess underscore. Except, or, hold on a second. But if you read it fast, it's like Travis Hess. Yeah. It's Travis Hess. And what's <laughs> up with that 10 gallon hat he's wearing? He always has a 10 gallon hat. Does he on. really? I mean, not when he, when he came by my, my spot, he was just like it. He was just a regular dude. Yeah. And then I saw him on his uh, Instagram and I'm like, what? What is this Texan <laughs> doing on my feed? Nah, he's, he's a cool dude. So uh, he's doing some stuff with our friends over at Decked and uh, we're doing some stuff with our friends over at Decked and we can't wait to tell you about it. We should, we were supposed to have told you by now, but. They're just well, soon, damn it. <laughs> so if you want something from Decked now, you can buy their proven sliding drawer system, which everyone loves. Or D-Bag, if you're uh, like me and uh, you need a deck storage system for your back. Is that where you keep all your barbecue? No, I keep that on my MacBook. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> the Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman Oh boy, this is going to be a rough one, Holman. <laughs> yeah, this was a weird week. Had a lot of weird things happen this week. Yeah, uh, I mean, here's the thing is that uh, I came in contact with somebody who had COVID <laughs> and I had to take a test. Which and, means uh, we didn't do our normal recording, so no. we're literally doing this show right now. And you're essentially going to be hearing it almost in real time because we are uploading it about an hour after we're done. Yeah, this is a rough one. <laughs> so I if, mean, the, if the edits are bad, we, we blame uh, the pandemic. I'm glad that I don't have the coronavirus. I mean, I was kind of hoping maybe a little bit you'd have it just because it gives us something to talk about. Agreed. I like when bad things happen to you, I can always turn them into, you know, content. Yeah. But I'm I'm happy that I don't have it because then I would have to be on quarantine for two weeks. And, and then when you guys wouldn't have any shows or we'd have to do it over the phone, which is weird. Uh, just yeah, That would have been awful. Yeah, I'm glad good. you're safe and healthy and stuff. Hey, uh, I heard that this show is full of awesomeness. It is. We have a lot of truck news, specifically the Hummer. I think everyone's talking about the Hummer, right? And also, you went for a test drive in the TR-freaking-X. Yeah, that was awesome! And you caught air. Oh, repeatedly. But first, let's check in with Sean Marks from Truck Hero. Hi, Sean. Sean, Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How's How you it doing? Going? How you guys doing? We're fantastic. Hey, is it okay if we refer to you as Emperor of all truck brands? 
Sure, you can do that. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, uh, before we get to it, we have to play a quick intro, so don't you dare move. Here we go. Truck Hero, Hero, Star, VIP, Ace, Big Wig, Hot Shot, Truck Hero, Big Shot, Big Deal, Big Gun, Big Cheese, Heavyweight, Superstar, Truck Heroes. That's what you are. There you go. Truck Heroes. <laughs> we had to modify it <laughs> just for you. I like that. <laughs> uh, it used to be Truck Famous, but, uh, but on for the, you, Truck Hero. On the fly. That's what we did here. <laughs> So, Sean, oh my gosh. So, we, I'm looking at Truck Hero's website, which normally I wouldn't do. I would go right to one of your many brands. I'm looking for many, many, many brands. brands. You know, maybe I'm going to Amp Research. Maybe I'm going to Bedrug. Maybe I'm going to Husky Liners, NFAB, Rugged Liner, Undercover, Superlift. Maybe I'm going to ABS, Backrack, Bushwhacker, Lund, Rampage, Rolling Rock, Rugged Ridge, Stampede, Tunnel Rack. How about Extend, Truxedo, or ARE? <laughs> Any of those? I just got started. There's more. <laughs> I, there, there's a there's lot a more. more. <laughs> so, but, as much as we want to talk about Truck Hero, uh, we were reading your bio here. and I know. Th- by the way, forget Truck Hero, Yeah, I, I only want to talk about two things, and that's the fact that um, you were the VP of Marketing for Planners, which means you probably had something to do with the giant nut that drove around the country. Is that true? I did. All right, I did. We, I, uh, <laughs> I worked with the, the, the Nutmobile and setting that all up. Yes. All right, we, we have to talk about the Nutmobile. Big applause for Nutmobile. <laughs> all right, and then the other thing is we're going through, and I'm reading here that you got your bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the United States Naval Academy, but a master's in nuclear engineering from Penn State, your MBA from the Kellogg School of Management, and... So that means if you were in the Navy, were you were you on a nuke boat, like a sub or aircraft carrier, or what's the story I was, there? I was on a, a nuclear submarine, uh, oh! USS La Jolla. Wow. Okay, okay, so what you don't know is that we have, we're friends with uh, the guys out in Kings Bay, Georgia, uh, on the oh, Ohio wow. class, and we have actually had a tour of the USS Tennessee while it was in dry dock. Now, we're not going to say that there might be Truck Show podcast stickers in some <laughs> hidden areas on that particular <laughs> vessel, but, but there might be. Let me put it this way. Uh, we gave the crew, um, the blue crew was coming in, the gold crew was coming out, and uh, we gave them a bunch of swag, and I was told by my contact on the inside, who is a listener of the Truck Show podcast, that when they decommission that boat, there will be people wondering how the hell stickers got where they got. <laughs> I bet. You guys helping to keep that sub sub safe with a couple stickers here, I bet. <laughs> well, you know how it happened, actually, Sean, is that they reached out to us and said, hey, listen, we come up, you know, every only once a month or whatever it was. And we well, have to- back up. So one of our guys is a listener, and he sent us a picture of him in the conning tower uh, basically steering the boat and said, my truck's harder to park than your truck. Oh, and yeah, that, that is and that's, started, <laughs> yeah, that's right, And that's right. what started it. And uh, and so he was a, a lieutenant on, uh, I can't remember which boat he was on at the time, and we sent them some swag, and the Navy said, hey, uh, thanks for giving our guys stuff. You know, Because we're on a boomer, obviously different than a normal naval ship that has ports of call and all that, we're going to be, we're out at sea for whatever length of time the mission is, and these guys only have what they bring with them, whether it's downloading the podcast or magazines or whatever the case may be, as you're well aware. And they said, we'd yeah. like to invite you out next time you're on the East Coast, and we'll give you a tour. And so I jumped on that. I was in Orlando for business and uh, took a day to go up to Kings Bay, got, got the clearances and everything. And I've actually walked underneath uh, Ohio class and touched the bottom as I walked right under it. It was awesome. So got That's the great. full tour. That's great. Well, that's like, no, you guys have got, the, got like a first-class experience there, it sounds like. Oh, for sure. They even uh, let me uh, go over to where the Coast Guard is. 
and uh, play with uh, the uh, remote gun that's mounted on the, uh, the I guess it's a 50 cal <laughs> or whatever. I mean, they got yeah. some new hardware, and they said, here, sit here. Don't flip that switch up and don't push the button. But if you want to swing it around, go for it. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So we've got uh, quite a few. Uh, I've been told it's submariners, not submariners, because you guys are not less than mariners. And uh, so uh, we've got lots of submariners who listen to the show. So anyway, just a little bit of nod to our friends of the Navy. And uh, we've got this theme of, uh, of submarines that run through our show. So we had to bring that up. And oh, how, that's great. No. So, Sean, how does one that has a degree in mechanical engineering uh, end up in marketing? Driving a giant peanut around the country. Well, I don't think yeah, they're the in, same. I mean, they're <laughs> in marketing uh, pizza and nuts and hot dogs and tonneau covers. Yeah, <laughs> the question seems super is, normal. Well, he's speaking to dudes. I think all those things, right? Yeah, that's true. They talk, yeah. talked right the to The end us. user is yeah. uh, obviously uh, going to be the he, same. He understands his market. That's true. Yeah. When I was a junior military officer, I was a lieutenant getting out of the Navy, and I wanted to jump into the business world, and I got the opportunity to go to Kraft Foods and in, in marketing. They, they hire a lot of ex-GMOs or junior military officers into their marketing program, and I was kind of the right place, the right time, and, and that's what I was looking to, to get into, kind of jump in both feet into the business world, and was given that opportunity and never looked back. Well, you did have a, a what, an MBA in marketing, is that correct? Yeah, I got that, you know, after, uh, after I got out of the Navy when okay. I was in Chicago. I feel like there are two different ends. Well, I guess I'm assuming that marketing, you, that's, there's, there's advertising marketing, and then there's the other side of marketing, which is product planning Pro, yeah, right. and how to get stuff actually to market, actually how to build it, how to make something sellable, and then get it all the way through. And then you let the ad agency come up with a creative, right? So where, where are you in that mix? I am the... Much like I was in the Navy, I'm like the hub of the wheel. It's like, you know, I have a lot of great partners, a lot of, um, you know, great folks on my team and agencies we work with. And my job is just to kind of bring it all together and, and bring products and to the, to the market and to consumers that meet the needs that, that they have at the time. And so let's talk about Truck Hero specifically. How did Truck Hero... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to Truck Hero... Oh, I'm jumping too far forward? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I have to know... If there were any time the Wienermobile and the Nutmobile <laughs> found each other in a dark alley and raced or did something like that, there has to be a moment in time where that happened. Oh yeah, we've had we've had both the Nutmobile and uh, and the uh, Wienermobiles race in some of the <laughs> some of the NASCAR tracks around the country, and so there's there's YouTube footage of that. So <laughs> took it up. Best job ever. I'd give up right there. Like I would have <laughs> no further aspirations after making that happen oh, in my career. Or you would just lay it. down and die after I, that? Or yeah, retire, die, one of the two. <laughs> either, either way, I would just be like, well, that's it. Nothing gets better than that. Uh, got, uh, <laughs> big aspirations there, Holman. Yeah, well, you know, um, Sean's been uh, undersea for uh, you know, weeks, months at a time, and he got to see the Wienermobile race the Nutmobile. What's left in life? I gotta think Selling there's something. Covers, I guess. <laughs> well, you only own like every tonneau cover company in the entire uh, entire universe. Well, that's, so that's what I want to talk about with with Truck Hero. So for for listeners that don't know, Truck Hero is kind of an overarching umbrella brand that has a an amazing portfolio of brands that we all know and love of truck accessories that we probably everyone in the audience has something of one of your brands. And I want to find out how does that happen over time. So for example. I'm a big fan of bed rug. I've had bed rugs in all but my newest truck, which is an old 66 truck. But in all my modern trucks, I've had bed rugs, and I could not love them more. And I was a little startled when they were gobbled up by a bigger company. And then I find out 
that the quality is as good or better than ever. I was delighted to find out that like all the key people stay there. It just it wasn't one of those Wall Street takeover stories like it was bedrug was bedrug as I knew it. Right. And so I want to so. if you can rewind the clock for us a little bit. Actually, let me give you a little. Oh, no, that's not that right. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. Hold on a second. Let me turn this down and finish that. All right, so we go back in time right here. Wow, such professionalism we well, uh, exude the, here on the Truck Show podcast. I'm sorry, it's, uh, I had too many papers on my laptop. Well, I, I, I'm hoping that Sean can tell us how, when they've acquired, you know, they went on a, a, an acquisition spree over the past five-plus years, and it seems like most of the brands have, have kept their soul intact or that brand mission or the brand promise to the end user how do you guys do that with well, be, so many different but brands? Be, but before you answer that, I need to know where Truck Hero came from. Is it a group of investors, or did it start out as one brand that just started getting hungry for more? Right, right. Yeah, well, about 13 years ago, uh, 2007, uh, the first two brands came together, and it was it was more of a merger than anything. Um, that's the X-Fang brand and our Truxedo brand. So X-Fang here, and um, I'm located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then uh, Truxedo is in um, Yankton, South Dakota. Those brands were, they were family brands and they had been um, in family for, you know, for a number of years. Just about at the same time, both of the families were looking to um, exit the business. And the presidents at the time, um, our current CEO, Bill Reminder, and our current COO, Kelly Kneifel, were the presidents and they put together the merger of those two brands and kind of came together as the first two tonneau covers. And that was the, the start of Truck Hero. Um, at that time, it wasn't called Truck Hero, um, but that was kind of how it started. And then like another year, year and a half later is when they actually purchased Bedrug, which was the company that you had just mentioned for you know, our, our bedliner company. All right, so it's down, it started organically and at what point do they just keep going and eat up the industry? Because they, when you go to SEMA, I think that's really where, I don't think the average person really has a grasp for how many brands Truck Hero owns. But for us, like Holman and I, we go to SEMA you and we go, footprint. well, yeah. look, interesting. All of South Hall is Truck Hero. Well, well not only that, but it used to a, be. A, yeah, we got a small little, small little booth with <laughs> yeah, white carpet. There. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, it seems like a quarter of the uh, upper South Hall now. And. You know, you guys used to be like, you know, Best Top and Lund and Truck Hero, and there's a few other big guys that were out there, and all of a sudden it's like Lund got scooped up into the uh, Truck Hero booth. Well, yeah, because well, Lund owned whatever, also, 10, 15 uh, yeah, brands. Right. And, then you just, did. and then you just ate all of Lund, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's like a fat guy eating another fat guy. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you and yeah, I. Lund was, uh, our, yeah, Lund was our latest company that we came together with just just last year in 2019 and you know they had a, a lot of great great brands um, very complementary to our portfolio so um, as you mentioned you know truck hero kind of got really started on truck bed covers or you know we call them tonneau covers and we've got six seven well we got seven brands before we we came together with london now we have over 10 which one's but your the favorite that has a lot of great accessories oh i love them all it's like kids right, <laughs> like, you, right. you gotta love them all so well, okay, um, so well, how does that help a company, for us doorknobs over here on the other end of the mic, like, how does that help a company to buy up other competing companies? Like, for the layman, you'd think, wow, they, they bought, uh, you know, a Rugged Liner and then Undercover, or two brands, that I guess those are bad examples, but two maybe um, Bedliner companies. 
And you're like, well, they, they would compete. Are they going to gobble each other up? Which one's going to win? One will die and be folded into the other, but they're not. They've gone on and they've flourished under the Truck Hero name. I, don't, I can't even wrap my head around how that works. Yeah. I mean, that's a real odd. Uh, we've had Bill Reminders, our CEO, um, and he has been the CEO since the beginning. Um, and his philosophy is that um, all these brands can grow. Um, they all had a place in the marketplace and bringing them together was about continuing to grow them. And he you know, challenges every one of you know, his marketers, every one of his sales folks, every one of his his general managers, um, that they all need to grow and we need to work together as a team to kind of bring those brands and those products to market and, and keep them going. It's an interesting business because almost every one of the truck bed cover brands um, started with a specific product that was a new innovation at the time. And so it was different. And so most of the brands, you know, kind of have a starting that was different than the other, you know, they were all trying to compete with each other. And, and now we kind of bring them all together, still offer them to the consumer. I, I often say, I, I don't understand why you'd have a truck without a truck bed cover, because, you know, there's, there's something out there for everybody and to, to meet the needs of what you're hauling and what you want to protect and what you want to keep out of the weather. So how do the brands, you know, we talk about them being complementary. For example, you have Alloy USA, which is known for like Jeep axle shafts, although they do a lot of different stuff, Mustangs and, you know, uh, Ford uh, 8.8s and you know, all sorts of things, diff covers. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's largely Jeep, but yeah, yeah, over the years, and there's a lot of obviously complementary products for um, you know in that in that space. But then you added Omics, which was huge in the Jeep space, and then also Rugged Ridge, which was part of all that. So now you've gotten away from trucks. You're getting more to the Jeep space. Obviously, Bushwhacker is one of those brands that uh, supports both the Jeep side of the market as well as the truck side of the market. How do they have their own distinctive place in uh, in the company? Is it are the brands set up as good, better, best, or do they all have good, better, best within their brands? And you're really selling who the brand is. Boy, now you really kind of hit on what keeps me up at night and what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out for the last four years. All right, so, so we admitted to being doorknobs. We're actually turning and locking doorknobs, <laughs> okay, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I, uh, I mean. I, as I come in from, um, I come in with my experience from Kraft Foods, um, and obviously Kraft is a, a large company with a lot of brands. So that was one of the reasons why you know, this was a great opportunity for me, and and Bill thought I was the the right guy at the right time to kind of start to figure this this out and put all these pieces together um, and kind of work the brands together. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity when it comes to um, you know cross selling the brands merchandising them together. Um, and that's some of the benefit that, that we get by having a, a larger portfolio that we can, you know, offer more to the, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the Jeep enthusiast, to the pickup guy, but we do have products that overlap. So anytime I feel like I kind of got a handle on it, you know, Bill goes out and buys another company and we've got a, now we got to piece that one together. <laughs> You're like, you know? Oh crap. We, we have, 12 bedliners well, now. Well, so let me ask you this. Are, Sean, are you able to take care – are you able to use economies of scale? For example, a lot of these uh, uh, bed cover companies have aluminum parts, for example, extruded aluminum pieces. Are you able to go to uh, some aluminum manufacturer and, and just order eight times the amount and get the price down? Or is it still being – all the the raw parts being ordered independently. Yeah, are they using despite how what the main material is, whether it's a fiberglass or a or a poly or an aluminum? Do they all have like say the same hinges or 
that the same you know uh, infrastructure to the design, and it's just the product that sits on top of it that that's different. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. The um, and aluminum is a perfect example. We we, we uh, aluminum is a, a major component in a lot of our a lot of our products, especially in our truck bed covers and. By having um, all those brands together, um, we can definitely, you know, make bigger purchases and, and get favorable um, pricing for for those, you know, all within what you would, ex- you know, kind of expect in a competitive market. Um, but we become a bigger player. That goes over to the marketing. So from a media standpoint, you know, the, the media that I that we purchase for the brands, we can we're able to leverage um, that. Um, and then just also with our own, we. Uh, my team um, that I've built out since um, since I started four years ago, we've really put an in-house team together for all our content creation. And if you can imagine all those brands had, you know, maybe a marketer or a couple of sales folks and, and they were responsible for the marketing, we've now scaled that all together and, um, you know, able to have a, a videographer and an editor and graphic designers and, you know, better serve the brands by having that all scaled together. Do you also have the product planners under you? I know some marketing departments have, because they have the pulse of the industry, they usually have the product planning team under them as well to plan what's the next product, what what uh, applications you need to focus on next. And if that's the yeah. case, do you share R&D resources or how does that work? The the product planning is, is under more of an engineering slash sales function um, kind of at Truck Hero. So my team is uh, is kind of a part of uh, a, a broader team that was you know bring products to, to market and bring in the consumer, kind of the voice of the consumer, the voice of the the, the Jeep enthusiast um, to that team. And then um, we have an innovation team that uh, that brings the products to market. One of the things that probably is helpful to kind of wrap your head around this is we've organized ourselves since since we came together with Lund last year into kind of three larger business units, um, a truck bed cover group, an accessory group, and a Jeep and off-road group. And so each of those teams have, you know, an innovation team kind of focusing on those type of products. How many SKUs do you have? <laughs> There's no way he knows hundreds, that. Hundreds of, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. You know, oh it's like, uh, we, were, we were having a debate one day with, with a couple of folks of like, wh- you know, how many do we have? And then we started, well, should we count applications or not count applications? And then it just kind of got into a, a turf fight. So. And then do you end up having like uh, a review and obsolete the slow sellers? Or do you have a giant warehouse that's 8 million square feet somewhere that, that has one of everything in it? Well, how does that work? Do <laughs> we do? I mean, you do look at, uh, you know, we call it pruning, you know, um, certain products over time. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, our truck bed cover business is um, has largely been largely been a, a lot of made to order, um, and so um, we kind of just keep up with whatever the the current demand is of of the certain products. Um, on the other side of it, our Jeep business, specifically the Omix brand, which which has hard parts that go back. All the way to the 1950s and 1940s. I've used it before on my 51 Willys uh, CJ3A. Yeah, you can get a tub. You can you can you can pretty much build a whole Jeep from the Omics portfolio, um, except for uh, I think an engine and a couple other parts. Yeah, that's a big warehouse, and we have stuff that goes back. And then you know, there's there's definitely cubby holes there with with products that that don't see the light of day, except till somebody needs one, and then we have it. And a lot of times when those guys need it, you're the only person in the whole world that might have it. I mean, there's yeah, parts that yeah. you guys make, especially on the Omics side, 
that they just aren't reproduced anywhere else. And it's uh, talk about being a truck hero, right? If somebody needs that one last part to finish their project, you're the guys that have the product and you are their hero to get that thing back on the road. Huge. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yep. I have a dumb question. Why promote Truck Hero as an organization as opposed to the individual brands? So, for example, you know, we bring you on as the guy from Truck Hero and and when and I see Truck Hero kind of advertised mainly maybe it's to dealers, but how does that help the brands? by advertising Truck Hero? Because I care about, as a consumer, all the brands that you own, because I'm going to buy products from the brands that you own. But I see Truck Hero out there as an organization, but as a consumer, I can't really interact with Truck Hero. But does Truck Hero, is part of that plan, you guys are trying to weave a thread through all the brands of of quality and and experience, and so you can associate that with Truck Hero and know that you're getting that customer promise delivered? You are. You guys are really hitting on it. You know, the ability to kind of bring that, that... that overarching brand and kind of that, that stamp of approval. We really have it with, you know, kind of within the, within the industry, with the brands. Um, but as we take those brands to the, uh, to the end consumer, um, it can be, you know, quite overwhelming. And so um, we are looking for ways of kind of, you know, simplifying it for the end consumer and the brands will always have a, a place to play. Um, but if we can kind of, you know, bring them under, you know, under this umbrella, it really plays out, kind of goes back to buying, buying a lot of these accessory companies over the last, say, four years. But um, when we put all the truck bed covers together, uh, it, was a, it was a way to advertise and communicate the entire truck bed cover category and do it just, you know, in very, uh, sim- a very uh, elegant way and kind of make the best use of, of all that communication um, and kind of bringing all those together. And, and a number of our products have the, the Truck Hero branding on them as a, um, as a supporting brand. Um, and then some more of the enthusiasts like a Rugged Ridge that's focused on Jeep. We haven't, we haven't done that on, on, on those products. So, In a way, it's similar. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar to like a Harbor Freight where everybody knows Harbor Freight is the master brand or, or the store that you go to buy it. But then they have their gazillion sub brands under it, and I they have multiple tool lines. That's not a fair. Really, I mean, they're not. I mean, Harbor Freight is known for other things. I'm talking too, about their like, marketing plan. Yeah, their marketing plan, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know the rule about Harbor Freight. If there's no moving parts, you're good to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. We okay. lo- everybody has Harbor Freight. You can all relate. Um, <laughs> who Who is your biggest competitor, Sean? Hmm. There are none. <laughs> they bought them all. Well, I was going to ask him <laughs> when he answered the question no, if he was going to buy them no, soon. No, the correct answer is the OEs. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are uh, the, the OEs would be their customers. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Right. Yeah, we work with I mean, we obviously we partner with them and um, and uh, and we have some we have some of our products that are um, that are with the dealers, you know, specifically. So, you know, we have is almost you almost have to do it category by category, you know, that we have, um, you know, there's a. For our Husky Liner business, there's a, a very large competitor that, that we all, I'm sure you know. Um, it, it's a big player within uh, within the industry. I've heard um, they use lasers. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, but it's almost category by category, you know. And that's how we, um, you know, that's how uh, you know that's how we go to market. Is we uh, you got to really kind of do it, you know, at the category level. Because I mean, if you think about it, there's there's like a four wheel parts, right? Who has a ton of house brands, except they're also a retailer. Truck Hero is not a retailer, and uh, a company like Four Wheel Parts sells third parties, so they would sell your products as well. So I guess that's not a, uh, an exact 
comparison. I'm thinking of other major companies in the industry, and I just it's hard to come up with uh, who you guys are competing against. Not they're not really. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's all of their brands are competing against other brands. Sure. But let me ask you this, Sean. So. How do you communicate to a uh, a new truck buyer, right? Some guy just comes out and buys a Ford F one fifty, and he's he knows he needs uh, a bed protection system or you know a, a tonneau cover, whether it's hard, soft, whatever. How do you guide that customer through that buying decision? That evolution is is really changed over the last you know five years, like so many other categories, with you know consumers doing a lot of their research, you know, on their on their own ahead of time before they even decide that they want to buy or where they want to buy it. So, you know, a large part of, of, uh, you know, truck bed covers are, and, and a lot of the accessories are, are bought at, um, you know, install shops and, um, you know, small dealers that are, they're dealing at truck bed accessories, off-road accessories, and they have been our greatest, you know, supporter and, you know, communicating our brands and our points of difference and meeting those needs. But the, uh, you know, the, the Jeep enthusiasts and the pickup guys and gals, they're, they're starting their searches even before they walk into one of those shops. So we, we try to educate them. You know, biggest part of our marketing is on our own, our own web platform, you know, and our own sites, trying to give them the best information, the best content, you know, great visuals, how it's going to get installed and, and arm them with as much information ahead of time. And then, you know, we direct them to the dealers um, or, you know, they'll find their, 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 their selves going to a, um, you know, e-commerce company like a real truck and, and purchasing. But we're just trying to help them along that path so they get that right product that, that meets the, the need that they specifically have or, or the look that they want for their, you know, for their truck or Jeep. So where is Truck Hero headquartered? I know you talked about Ann Arbor, but as you've bought these, com- these companies that uh, exist all over the country – have people had to move there? Do you have satellite offices everywhere? They're on the moon now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. moon-based truck hero. <laughs> yeah, we are. Are headquartered in in Ann Arbor, um, and we have a number of of manufacturing facilities all across the country. So um, I think we're up to sixteen or seventeen, um, and then we have a couple um, distribution centers um, throughout. So um, all the brands. Um, for the most part, where they where they were located, kind of when they came into the truck hero fold, are that's their that's still kind of where they're located for the most part. Um, we have another um, you know another office where a lot of my marketers are down in in Georgia. Um, you know they came from the kind of came from the old uh, Lunt team. So let's talk about uh, brands and, and products. So as you guys have uh, expanded your portfolio and then tried to figure out placement. What are some of the new products that are up and coming and some of the innovations that have happened to Truck Hero that people can kind of be on the lookout for here in the next, let's say, three to six months? Or in the past three months in this time of COVID where people have kind of been holding back their purchases a little bit and they're kind of waiting to see. You know, I don't know what people have been holding well, back. Well, that's man. true. It has been, business has been that, pretty good. That I, is, I was just going to correct you on yeah, that. I was gonna say, people are not holding back their purchases. Have you, let me ask you, Sean, have you broken records over the last couple of months? I bet you have in some of your brands. It's been a, it's really been an interesting ride, you know, from the, from that mid-March time period through April to, to now, um, and the consumer has just gone through kind of a roller coaster and yeah, we're having a, 
the uh, just like a lot of the outdoor, um, you know, home improvement. Um, Those guys are going auto, off. You know, yeah. Auto, you know, we're all. It's been an interesting ride, but you know, they're people are um, they're voting with their wallets and, and they're, like, they're spending money on their homes and their and their vehicles. It seems like people paused for a little bit and then realized we were going to be working from home and doing this for a while and said, "Screw it, I got time to work on the project in the garage." And they had a, a stimulus check they could spend on <laughs> truck parts. They, for that probably yeah. went towards some of it, it too. Very much so. And I mean, I, I, uh, I have a couple of vehicles, and I took on projects that I probably never thought I would be. And I did some lighting for the first time on my. I got a 2013 uh, JK, and I Ooh, put nice. on bushwhacker fender flares, and I. Did some of my own lighting and uh, with a big 50-inch uh, LED light bar, and so um, I think people were taking on projects that they'd want to do, had wanted done, you know, were hoping to do over the years, and had just set them aside. And they were like, "Hey, I'm going to go out and do it." All right. So uh, if somebody's in that situation, they walk out in their garage and they go, "What am I going to do next? What products do they need from the Truck Hero brands?" Oh my God, it's infinite. Wait a minute. He's, oh well, I, he's, well, this is his chance to be a marketer. <laughs> Where, where is right. he going to start? He's got 80, 89 brands. That's up to him. <laughs> so I'm going to start with Ant. You mentioned them before. So Ant yes. Research. So oh, they yes. are our, our Power Step brand. And it is a, um, it's a, it's a great, great product. So that's a, a retractable step that um, a lot of folks don't even know that you can get that in the aftermarket. You know, they think it's just an OE um, well, they, and in uh, fact, you know. it started in the aftermarket first, and the OEs then took it, the product. Uh-huh. Absolutely did, yeah, yeah. And what uh-huh. cracks me up is that the imitations that are out there are so bad; they're just yeah. so awful. There's a major name competitor who ripped off the design. Who I have personal experience with that product, and they have the nice extruded board, and they have everything that looks nice. The motors suck. And they will burn out after about 12 months, maybe 16 months if you're lucky. And they're a pain in the butt to, to replace. And I remember installing those going, why didn't I just do the amp ones? You know, I should have just gone with amp research. I don't, I don't, know. I don't, know. I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm we, smarter now. This yeah, is probably, you know, 10 we, years ago. We've actually, we interviewed uh, Eric, one of the yep. designers at Amp, uh, in one of our early yep. uh, episodes. And okay. before, before they were acquired. Yeah, super talented guy, incredible CAD designer, yep. and, and enthusiast. So there's not just... Amp isn't just uh, full of a, an office full of guys just on computers designing. Like they use the stuff and then they abuse yep. it. They they purposely try to break it and then improve it. I had a set of Nerf, you know, Nerf steps on my uh, F one fifty, and I get to test a lot of, you know, they get, they get to borrow my my truck for photo shoots. And Lee Riser, who's who I think you guys know pretty well, she was like, "You got to get a pair of Amp stamp, pet mare steps." And I was like, "All right." I wouldn't have a vehicle without one now. I mean, I just think that they're, uh, especially in the Michigan weather here, they uh, they don't seem to grab the snow and the ice and hold it as much as a pair of uh, Nerf steps do. And uh, they're up and out of the way, but they're there when you need it. Um, I can put my foot, you know, anywhere I want to kind of get up into the into the lifted truck. So um, I just think that they're, um, I think they're a great product. The new, um, we have a new app for that called the Smart Series. And that allows you to control the step from your um, from your mobile device. So either an Android or um, iOS-based um, mobile device. So that way you can override. So when you open the door, they come down. When you shut the door, they go up. But there's times if you're going through a car wash or you just want to have them out, um, 
that way you can override it and you can also turn the lights on. So um, that's coming out um, as of right now. And dude, the, the bed step and the bed step two are so handy oh, for yeah. loading stuff in and out of your bed so you're not trying to step on the tire and reach over. Yep. Both those. So one, the bed step is on the sides just behind the cab and the bed step two, if I'm not mistaken, is the one at the rear left or rear right corner. So, and, and kind of like if you don't have a new GM truck, they have them built into the bed or into, sorry, right. into the bumper. bumper. But this is beneath it and they hide yeah. away and they're, oh, they're just so, so handy. Well, there's several. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a set on my F-150. My, uh, my son is... Uh, He's in high school and he, he rides competitively as a mountain biker and um, I'm taking our um, bikes on and off our, um, actually I have a Retrax cover on it and we have a, a rack system on it and, and um, um, bike holders and I'm up and down all the time taking it off and so that, um, that bed step is, is, is very, very helpful for that. Is that really the next step in uh, bed covers, tonneau covers, is making them so they can integrate with racks and things like that for, for guys who have a daily driver need of, of lockable storage but also have the mentality to go out on an adventure and, and don't want to have to choose between a rack and a tonneau? Yes. I mean, above the cover, right? Like that's kind of our, kind of our buzzword, above the cover. Um, we have uh, a number of products that um, have been in the markets and then a new one coming out. So I'll kind of start with my cover so that I've got a Retrax XR. And so that's a, a retractable cover that folds into a canister, um, aluminum, probably the most secure cover that, that we make. Um, but it now has on the, on the, um, on the bed rails, it has a, what we call a T-slot. And within that T-slot, you can fit any of the the major rack systems. So if it's Yakima, Rhino, you can fit that right in there, and then you can accessorize and and you know whether or not you're you're putting on a, you know putting holders for your mountain bikes or baskets or you know snowboards. Um, all of that can fit kind of above that cover, um, and you have that with uh, the Retrax XR. It's smart to integrate with the uh, the other brands rather than compete against them. Work with them. Right. Make sure you right. fit. Yeah. And then we have a we have a new product coming out, um, actually under the Truck Hero brand called the uh, Elevate, and that is a a rail system that works with all of our flush mount covers. So think of like a backflip, um, or all of our or the majority of our Truxedo covers. Anything that's kind of flush mounted, it's a it's an additional rail that works with all of those covers. And then again, once you have that installed, you can put whatever, you know, rack and, and um, you know, accessory system on top of that. We're coming out with some of our own, um, but it's a very, very, very flexible system. And all you need are those two rails. And then you can start utilizing it with many, many of our covers. Um, I wanted to ask you about Husky liners. We mentioned uh, briefly earlier, you've got the big competitor in the space that sponsors all kind of NASCAR and others. How does a, a brand like Husky um, with you at the Hellman Marketing compete against... Which, by the way, the quality of Husky liners is exceptional. I know that. It's not like it's a second-tier brand at all. But the problem all. is is that the uh, that other brand that we're familiar with sure. just dump trucks full of money. Dump trucks Seems full of like money. It. Well, I mean, just <laughs> as far as advertising. Yeah. So how do you, as a marketer, compete? Because uh, we, both Holman and I have had experience with Husky, and they're amazing. Um, I think you hit on it. You, you start with a really quality product and across the Husky line, that's what we've always been known for. So, um, you know, we're competing in that, that, uh, that design to fit, um, which is, 
you know, so much better than just some, some type of universal mat. So you should always get those, you know, those, those liners and, and get the ones that can you know, fit your specific vehicle and your, and, and um, your specific uh, pickup or Jeep. Um, but Husky, the material that we use is, um, is extremely high quality. It's very flexible and it allows it to really sit. And there's a number of market, uh, products out in the market that, that'll, that kind of get hardened over time and they curl up and Huskies are always sitting flat. And then when you need to, you got a spill or you got a lot of junk in on, uh, on that liner, you just fold it up and pull it out. And, you know, all that stuff doesn't fall back, you know, onto your carpet. All of my Husky Liner experience that we've had on testing in the magazines and things like that have always been really impressed with them. And the uh, the other company, I've definitely seen some of their uh, their older SKUs where the fit isn't as good as it could be. And I wasn't super impressed on some of the older vehicles that maybe uh, an off-roader might you know go back to a vehicle that might be 15 or 20 years old and, and want to protect the floor. And it's probably not the same experience across their entire product lineup. Yeah, so we're just we we try to you know try to you know make the the highest quality product that you know performs the uh, you know the best in the market, and then um, you know we're just trying to be you know a scrappy scrappy marketer, you know, and especially like word of mouth, just like you guys were mentioning, um, goes a long way. And so trying to get great reviews, um, get that word out there of, of kind of what you uh, what you get with a Husky liner. And Lee was mentioning that Bushwhacker has some new stuff coming out as well. We do. So um, we just launched a mud flap that goes with our pocket flare. So you get you know, about an extra 10 inches um, wide and 10 inches um, vertical coverage behind that wheel to, you know, protect your, um, you know, protect your vehicle from different mud and, and rocks and everything flying it up. And so that is a um, it's a no drill mount um, works right with the pocket flares and um Bushwhacker is a, um, it's a great, you know, great brand overall. Um, it's all about protection of the vehicle, um, whether or not it's underneath your, um, um, underneath your wheel wells or other parts of the, uh, the vehicle. So um, there's a lot more. Um, this is an area where, you know, coming together with Truck Hero and a lot of the other technology and manufacturing capability, it, it'll really help, you know, brands like Bushwhacker. Well, it sounds like you have uh, quite a job. Quite a job of managing all these brands and all these moving parts. I just can't even wrap my head around. So, when yeah, I would do just, you work eight days a week? I feel like I would. <laughs> if I was, if you were out one day and I went and I sat in your office behind your seat, I would just cowl and go. I don't even know where to start. Like, what do you who even call? Like, what yeah, do you, is what it when it see first? for me? I would sit down and I would be frozen. I'd be like, I don't. Although you know what they say, how no, do you how do no. you eat an elephant? Right, uh, one bite at yeah. one bite at a time. No, you know what you do? Uh, you would sit. You would sit in his office. Uh huh. And then you would go. You pick up all the catalogs. Uh huh. And then you'd say you're Sean, uh-huh. and you'd call all the companies. But I am Sean. No, no, no. But you're this Sean. Okay, got it. And you'd say, uh, yeah, I need a, a sample for a uh, for this truck uh-huh. and uh, for this photo shoot. And you you just amass a huge stockpile. Amount. Oh, stockpile! Uh-huh. All this cool crap. And then what? And then put it on your truck. And then what? And then just drive as fast as you can away. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think I would hire a lot of really talented people around me. That's that's exactly <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's, it's, so. it's all about having a great team, and and I do, and the Truck Hero team does, and people that are you know passionate about you know passionate about the consumers that we serve, passionate about the products, and putting together a great team. We figure we figure it out. 
So I, uh, wait, hold on. So, so Lightning, do you feel uh, any less of a marketer now, knowing w- what you're up against in the marketplace? You know, with people that have talent. I so I feel like I do okay with one brand. Uh-huh. I feel I, I don't know what I would do with with eighty brands. I don't, seriously though, how many brands do you have, Sean, under you? Well, we have uh, twenty seven brands, and then we've got a uh, we got a few other ones that. Um, that are we got a couple of heavy truck brands that we didn't even kind of get into. That was um, uh, from Love Roadworks and Belmore. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, we're gonna have to have you uh, come back on the podcast because uh, we've only scratched the surface of Truck Hero. I think that I think that'd be great. Uh, if, if you guys are uh, looking for pretty much anything for your truck, I don't think we can uh, distill it down to one product. Uh, you can Although find the, I don't think they're in the tire category yet, are they? You guys don't have any tires. Is that <laughs> They'll correct? cover your tires we, with mud flaps. We do not. We do pretty much everything around the tire, okay. but not the tire. All right. So uh, on Facebook, it's Truck Hero and uh, at Truck Hero on Instagram. And, of course, you can go to truck-hero.com mm-hmm. uh, to learn about the company. Sure. Or, or Amp or Bed Rugger and Fab or Husky Liners or Undercover, Super Lift <laughs> or AVS or Backrack or Bushwhacker, Lund uh-huh. or Rampage or Rolling Rock. <laughs> Rugged Ridge, break. Stampede, Tunnel. Rolling Rock. Breathe, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't read that list again. It's extensive. <laughs> I, I need a nap after this. I know, right? <laughs> uh. All right, well, Sean, thank you so much for carving out some time for us. We appreciate it, and uh, congrats on the success. And uh, you make us look like chumps with your amazing job and your history. So Yeah, yeah. and also thank you for your service and uh, a nod to all of our submariner friends out there. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's uh, very much appreciated. Fantastic. All right, we will uh, talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Sean. Okay, have a great night. All, all right, right, you, you too. too. Bye-bye. Holman, I got a million-dollar question for you. What's new in trucks? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Yeah. Oh, that was a weird one. That was super weird. Why did you, but you, it was out of the side of your mouth. You went like a, ah. It's like a, ah. That was <laughs> Choking it out? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you were weird. doing what over there? Uh, weird. It was, yeah. Weird. Super strange. I'm really impressed with the power. Motor Trends, Sean Holman. I think they've done a good job of towing that line of, of staying true to what people remember Hummer being without any of the, the negativity that maybe uh, was with the brand when it was uh, killed off. The Hummer EV goes into production next year. That was me uh, invading your uh, television set on a national news interview for CBS. Of course, they took the quote where I sounded... Uh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens. Yeah, so I did a 15-minute interview and uh, got about 10 seconds in this two-minute piece. Wait, so you were on CBS National News? Yeah, I was- uh, Not local in LA. Both, both. I was on uh, CBS National News, and then that got put out to the affiliates and had a couple of people go, hey, I was watching Channel 9 and saw you on TV. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> so anyway. Did you get a plug-in for a truck show podcast? Uh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. come on. Well, I mean, they obviously they didn't use half of what I said. Well, they didn't use about, you know, nine-tenths of what uh, I said. Ooh. Come on. I mean, I did my best. I was like, didn't. I was like, oh, so yeah, Hummer, Truck Show Podcast. <laughs> Should and, have. Yeah, and I was going to try and uh, plug my uh, my phone in so you would see the Truck Show Podcast on the screen when oh. the, yeah, that didn't work either. No. Yeah. Mm, fail. Big fail. So uh, what questions you got, homie? Well, first off. How does it compare to the Badger or the Cybertruck? Uh, I'm not even looking at a Cybertruck anymore. Really? I mean, the Hummer is made by a company that is known to make trucks. 
Uh, this uses the same GM Ultium batteries that uh, Nikola is supposed to get as part of the uh, Badger tie-up with uh, General Motors. So you're getting their battery technology. Uh, it's got 35s. It's got 13 inches of travel. It does 0 to 60 in like four seconds. And it, now, wait a minute. I heard that it'll do close to three seconds, 0 yeah, to 60. Well, I, I believe uh, – I think it's a – yeah, so it's, I think it's four seconds in standard mode. And then they have something called a Watts to Freedom or if you like right. to uh, shorten that WTF mode. And then it'll do three seconds flat in that. Oh, that's so funny. So here's what's cool, though. It, it has uh, all the animations on the screens were done by uh, Epic, who does all the, the game animations and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so there's a whole thing. It has to, like, change the chassis. It's got to lower it down. It's got to prep the batteries. So you can't just do three seconds because you want to. There's actually, like, it goes through a whole sequence, and you're watching, like, an animation. So you kind of have to be in a place where... It's not like a stoplight where you would do that, right? Okay. Um, so anyway, it's got all that capability. It's got crab mode. It's got 350 miles of range. It's the first one that actually feels like it's a real truck. Now, it is cool, by the way. Hold on. The crab mode is cool, though. Hold on. Here's what's, uh, here's what's this is going to be the problem for us. Is it a truck? Uh, I it's know. Skewing it's skewing the lines because we're going right back to that whole thing. It's very ridgeline, and we got a lot of hate on that ridgeline conversation. I know we did. Because we like how it looks. No, 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 we don't. We, we don't? just said the front nose the front is butchier. The you, front li- clip. you liked. I liked the front clip, and I did not say that all of a sudden it's a truck. Yeah. I did say, well, I mean, I kind of went, oh, yeah. maybe-ish. It's yeah. like a truck-ish. So, but, but, all, but all of these electric trucks, none of them have a cabin bed separate, so that's one of our things. So is it really? I don't know. This has a mid-gate like the old Hummers. I was around original Hummer, and what you guys didn't see that I saw was the Hummer H2 SUT long bed was going to come out. And that never saw the light of day. And that was going to have that, what, five liter Duramax diesel, the baby Duramax. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never came out. So Carl Zipfel at GM, who was a designer on the original Hummer for that brand, had a hand in this one. And I can see a lot of that. It looks like a futuristic version of that Hummer H2 that was supposed to come out. So it looks Hummer. And I like how they kind of went all in and said, listen, we're going to resurrect this brand. It's going to be under GMC. You'll buy it from a GMC dealer. It's called the GMC Hummer, even though GMC is DC tiny. I know. GMC dealers have got to be loving this. Oh, yeah. Well, especially if Chevy's getting a different platform, for what I understand, for their their EV version of the Silverado, not the same truck. So this is like a super truck, and they're going to get like what the F-150 is going to be, which is a converted truck. Not until they come in and flex their muscle like Chevy always does. We'll see. We'll see. So right now, uh, Hummer is is what you want. It's you know a thousand horsepower. It's just ungodly. It'll be able to tow. Um, they're going to have a ton of accessories. You can pop the roof off. It's got uh, t was it t tops in the front and a big panel in the back. You or, said no th- reverse of that. So it's it's uh, t's in the back and then a full panel in the front. Three hundred mile range is what they're saying. They're saying three fifty. Three fifty. It's got front and rear lockers um, in the way that the electrics work. Yeah, you know, it's not like, yeah, yeah. I like how they explained it. They're not really it's lockers. Virtual, it's just yeah. all electronic. Because it can do all that kind of sure. stuff. Um, they also made an interesting thing where there's going to be uh, no animal greens, so no leather or anything like that. So it's kind of got some real interesting um, textures and materials and stuff in it to kind of make it feel um, a little bit more futuristic. Uh, four-wheel steering. I mean, I wasn't sure if I was going to be super excited about it. And then the more I got to know it and see it and hear about it, I went, yeah, that's right now that's the one to beat. That's a real truck, real truck capability, real off-road capability, finally has some range where you could go take it somewhere and enjoy it. I'm uh, I'm definitely interested. Now, but why are you discounting the Cybertruck? Now, I have to say this because just because I gave – 
Tesla, a hundred bucks yeah. as a placeholder doesn't yeah. mean that I'm going to buy it. It means that I gave them a hundred bucks. Yeah, I wouldn't. But do I that. will say, well, hold on a second. I'm leaving my options open. Uh huh. So am I. I just didn't give anyone money. Okay. Well, you had to get Interest a place free. in line, right? I, I don't. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but I, give me a hundred bucks. I'll hold it for well, you. No, I mean, I, I'll give you a place in line next time I smoke a brisket at my house, <laughs> and I'll only charge you forty. Okay. All right. Well, that may <laughs> good comparison. I mean, that's, that's, that or a brisket. Uh I listen. I don't know why Tesla's, you're discounting because it. Tesla's never made a true off-road vehicle. I understand that. They but don't we know, know what they don't know. Uh, hold on a second. But we know that they do have off-road enthusiasts working at the company. That we do know. Okay. And I'm not. I'm not. Are apologizing they Or I'm not standing up for them. I'm just are saying. You a Tesla apologist. I'm not. See, I just think. But you're that just the... immediately going with GM because yeah. they've built some before that yeah. it must be better. I, we don't know that, that yet. I'm not saying. Listen, nobody's better right now. It's all vaporware until something actually hits the market. Right. There isn't one truck out there. But this thing has 35s ready to go. It's got water forwarding capability. It has towing capability. It's what got do you think a lot the price of speed. tag is going to be? It's like 120 or something like oh that. Oh my god! A buck twenty? Yeah, something like that. Tri motor. Yeah. Cybertruck is going to be under 100. So they say. Well, I mean, I hope it, it was is. also supposed to be titanium in a certain size and all this stuff. So if you go from uh, Al Oppenheiser, chief engineer for uh, the Hummer EV, uh, he talked about being able to move fast. They got rid of bureaucracy. He handpicked his team. You'll know Al from performance vehicles like the, I believe, the Camaro ZL1 and stuff like that. So GM said, listen, we want to make this a reality. You know how to do a fast-moving performance vehicle with uh, you know, a limited bureaucracy and, and red tape, and you pick your team, you get all the resources you need, make it happen. And he did. So I know the people, the caliber of people behind this. I don't know anybody who's on the Tesla side. Again, I, I think it's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to see one in person. Yeah. Uh, does this one drive, the one that they had uh – on the rotisserie that they were showing everyone? Uh, there is a driving one. There but, is. Yeah, but they're just now putting prototypes together. So that's a beauty one. So there's not a lot of... I don't. Think I, I called it a rotisserie. It's not a rotisserie. It's a I, round that's table. Where, yeah, that's where chickens go. It's not a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pigs. Nah. So anyway, I, uh, I'm excited about this. I think uh, I think that if uh, anyone is going to make a off-road super truck that's all EV, uh, GM has a great opportunity here and, and has the credentials to make it happen. But like I said, it's nothing... Until somebody sells one. Right. I mean, it's all- But they will. Point. It's GM. They're going to do it. Yeah. Do you think that Ram will make an electric version of the TRX? God, I hope not. I just got back from driving it. We've got a segment on that later in the show. Uh, it needs to be every bit of what it is right now. So uh, I, I got nothing else to say. That does not need to be an EV. If you want to sell- uh, an internal combustion engine in 2035 here in California, according no. to Newsom, no. it's going to have to be uh, electric. Yeah, that's not happening. All right, well. How, how can he, he's already, you can't control interstate commerce. He can't say that that can't be sold here, number one. Number two, we're talking about 15 years in the future. Who knows what the landscape's going to look like then? Okay. I mean, I hope you're right. I mean, and, and the other thing is everybody talking about like banning you know, fossil fuels. You realize that those giant excavators that are strip mining for battery materials are powered by fossil fuels, right? <laughs> right you yeah. realize that the makeup on your face, 
that the plastic in your car or in your computer, the you plastic really, on everything in your house. How about the airplane flying over your house? All fossil fuels, right? So we're not banning that. It's, that's not going. On. They may alternative fuels may take up. It's going to be a tapestry of technologies and things like that. But but nobody's getting rid of that. The tech, there's nothing to replace it. Not yet. I, but there isn't. Solar-powered airplanes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, you, it only charges above the clouds, and once you get below it, then... I mean, uh, I don't know. So I'm sure you saw it. Um, that video from the Jeep that rolled off Black Bear, which, if uh, you remember, I was there weeks before that happened. So I saw this video, and I didn't know that you had seen it. I didn't even know that we were going to be talking about it on the show. So two nights ago, I was sitting at the dinner table with the wife, and... Uh, as we scroll through our phones and not talk to each other, as every couple does, I saw this and I thought, oh, my God, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. This this Jeep rolling down the hill. Caught and, on dash cam from essentially a guy that was a, a, you know, it's a shelf road that has switchbacks. He's on a lower switchback. And on his dash cam, this Jeep that had above rolled down the hill and it ejected two dogs and a passenger when the driver had gotten out to go spot somebody rolled down the hill and the girl is in really rough shape i guess and they found the i guess they found the dogs they found the dogs uh the two puppies and they were unharmed relatively Which is speaking amazing and she is undergoing some uh, serious spinal surgery yeah and i was as i was at the dinner table there i found the gofundme link and yeah. i donated some cash yeah i did too i did too cuz it's uh, weird that we both did this independently well i mean that's it's supporting somebody you know in in the sport that I love, right? So what happened was apparently this guy and his friend, this girl, yep. and the two dogs were up wheeling with a bunch of people, and he gets out. He's the driver. He gets out to go help someone else around a curve, a precarious curve. Puts on his e-brake, thinks he leaves it in gear, but apparently doesn't leave it in gear, and the e-brake lets loose. His passenger, this woman, and the dogs are in the Jeep, helpless, and go off the cliff and go hurling down. Yeah, it's like 1,200 feet or end something over like that. End over end over end over end. And they get ejected after it hits the first switchback. They get bounced out. It goes all the way down. And the if you've ever seen one of those uh, car crushers at the junkyard, that's what the Jeep looks like at the bottom of the hill. You, you can't even tell it was ever a vehicle. It's just metal smashed in every possible way. And it's a miracle, and it, and thank God she did get ejected. Yeah, because it probably saved her life. And I listen. I I don't want a Monday uh, morning quarterback here, um, but this is a reminder to uh, anybody who uh, is off road and in you know steep terrain like that. Always make sure those wheels are turned toward the mountain, you know, away from the edge. So if you do lose an e brake or you do pop out of gear, whatever the case is that it'll roll and stop or bring chocks with you that you can throw in your back seat. And when you hop out to help somebody spot, just throw them under there. I think that uh, a lot of times we're out there and we get complacent and you just, this is a good wake up call, not using them saying they did something wrong, but using this as a learning experience just to remind everybody to be safe out there. Uh, it's a good point. And if you want to help out Susie, the girl that went hurling off the cliff with her dogs, just go to her GoFundMe page, helping Susie Heal, and that's with a Z, Susie with a Z, Helping Susie Heal on GoFundMe. There's also a Venmo, at Helping Susie Heal, one word with a Z. So 
Um, I know they're looking for about two hundred thousand dollars. At this point, they've got close to fifty thousand. So it'd be uh, great if uh, you know if you're if you're in the sport and you want to help somebody who uh, was in an unfortunate situation. You know, we we would uh, ask that you would help donate and hopefully make her life better and and get her back. Uh, it, it is weird that you and I don't see eye to eye all that often. And uh, in this case, we were both doing the same thing at relatively the same time, donating to this cause. So that's pretty cool. I feel good about that. All right. Uh, speaking of off-roading, uh, did you see my uh, my eBay coup that uh, that I had over the uh, the last week? eBay coup? I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, I found the complete collection of uh, Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail Oh, I did see that. Yes. Well, you were telling me uh, about a week prior to that eBay auction closing, and you said it'll be a miracle if I get all these because I've wanted yeah. them forever. So explain this uh, series of books to our listeners because I, unless they're from Southern California, they'll probably have no clue. Yeah, so uh, if you're into off-roading uh, or overlanding or car camping in uh, 4x4 vehicles. It's glamping. <laughs> glam- uh, not glamping. Um, you will be aware of the Mojave Road Trail here in Southern California. It is a 140 miles from the Colorado River into Barstow. Uh, almost entirely off-road. It was one of the original wagon roads into California. And uh, there are many uh, uh, Indian tribes that were hostile that would attack the mail carriers, bringing mail into California so that the uh, army set up um, posts and forts along the way uh, around uh, the the springs to to help protect the mail routes. And uh, there were uh, all sorts of history. It turned into a huge um, uh, cattle... Uh, homesteading type of a area, uh, mining. There was uh, history. Route 66 goes uh, just south of that. Highway 40 is south of that. And it's now in an area called the uh, Mojave National Preserve. And it's one of the best off-road trails in the western U.S. Well, Dennis Casebeer, who is the historian uh, of the uh, Friends of the Mojave Road and the Mojave Desert uh, Cultural and Historical Association, um, in the 80s, mapped out the Mojave Road and sold a guidebook. And so that's how you would get to know the Mojave Road. It was now, before now, GPS. We should explain here that a lot of Mojave Road was lost over time, right? It was just like the scrub brush and stuff. Yeah, had grow, grown over and, right. and stuff like that. But it was, it was, you know, he's the one who found the original trace of it and turned it into a, basically a jeeping road. Um, but there's still wagon tracks of it, uh, you know, visible out there. And it's just amazing. And it's probably one of the uh, most, outside of Death Valley, one of the most remote areas in California that you can be. Um, and it's just, it's incredible. So in the eighties, he, uh, did these books and you would buy it and we would, it was all navigation by piles of rocks called rock cairns and mileage. And there was a mailbox out there in the mailbox. You'd sign in and say, I, I was on the Mojave road and he and the BLM would check the box and they would see how much traffic there was. And that would give them a gauge for how much the road was being used and it became very popular. So much so that they were worried about the environmental impact on just that one stretch. So he worked with the BLM and said, can I have another route? I'd like to work with you guys. And they said, yes. So he did this circle around basically the Mojave Road that was over 600 miles long in four segments, wrote books about them in the, uh, I believe, late 80s, early 90s. And people started using that, and it took pressure off the Mojave Road. Well, in did, ni- did he figure that um, if the loop was much bigger, they would be traveling less on that one section? Yeah, There'd that's be part less of it. Impact, but, but also takes you through some really amazing geological history and mining history and California history, all that kind of stuff. It actually cuts into Southern Nevada through a portion near Searchlight. Um, it's very cool, and so. 
if you remember in 1994, the uh, Desert Protection Act was signed and much of the trail was lost to wilderness areas. And so Dennis felt betrayed and kind of gave up this mission of the Mojave, um, the Eastern Mojave uh, Historical Trail. So I was, I've known about it. I had wanted to do it. I was kind of over time looking at guidebooks and they aren't available. They're in like vintage bookstores and you can piecemeal one at a time. Sometimes they're $80. The ones in fine condition are $400 at some places. I mean, there's just a huge span. You can't always find all of them. So there's a gentleman by the name of William Creech, Bill Creech, who actually got permission from Dennis to do a retrace on the 30th anniversary back in uh, 2019 and do a modern mapping. So keep it 90% of the old route, but where it goes around uh, wilderness areas and places you can't go anymore, figure out what those workarounds are to do a complete trip again. Uh, so I, he had to create new trails on some of the parts. Right. and uh, Or use existing roads in the area to reconnect the pieces that I were see. the segments that were broken up by wilderness areas. And I believe it's over 700 miles now. Epic, still four parts. Um, Bill's working on a supplemental guide. And apparently the Friends of the Mojave Road or the uh, uh, Mojave Desert uh, Cultural and Historical Association has 350 complete sets that were in storage of this book that they're re-releasing with Bill's supplements. The originals. The originals. And when they're gone, they're gone. So I was excited because I won these on eBay and I have them now. Well, apparently they're going to start releasing all these books. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool for now, people. Now, do you feel burned because you- <laughs> No, because I, I got them for less than what it would cost to buy all of them right now. Oh, okay. I did pretty good on the And these are all in fine condition. They're like perfect. Although I was going through one and I did find a mosquito that had been smashed in the pages. So I know <laughs> these books were used at least once. Now, do you have any history behind the uh, the guy that sold them? I don't know. I, I just bought them from somebody, and I, it looked like maybe somebody was clearing out because they had other auctions. It looked like maybe they're clearing out a relative's house or something like that oh. and put a bunch of stuff on eBay. Okay. And so I, I won the auction, got the books. The books are fantastic. Um, and, How many books are there? Uh, so there's four for the Eastern Mojave section. There's the original Mojave guidebook, and then there's one called The Gold Road to uh, La Paz by another author, which is the Bradshaw Trail out by the Salton Sea to the Arizona border. Um, and the just incredible. Incredible collection. I've got all six. Plus, I bought the seventh, which is the Mojave Guidebook, and another volume in one book, which is Dennis's story of um, reopening the Mojave Road. Now, are these all the one that you showed me that was in your Jeep that was all tattered? Now, that one. That was a later version. No, I understand. Spiral bound. I'm, yeah. a, I'm asking though, are they all written the same way? Because that yeah. was mile by mile yeah. by mile. Yeah, they're all. And in some cases, it's like every 300 yards, he goes, yeah. "I'm at this corner, and there's this drop right. off, and yep. do all, so they're all written they're, like that." And all the maps are hand drawn, and Bill's going to continue that tradition with the new supplemental guides. So he and I hooked up. I got these supplemental guides. I've been working with uh, Onyx, so I've imp- imported all this information in there. Uh, no, I won't share it because I want you to go buy the book. Just like Bill's not rewriting the books, he wants you to go buy the books. There's a, a GPS file that you can see on Onyx, but no information on it. So to see all the cool stuff and know the history, you've got to buy the books. And that's the whole point of this. I'm excited because I'm get some people together. We're going to go tackle segments one and two in a few weeks. And then we're going to do three and four in spring and do the whole the whole loop. Uh, so a couple of questions regarding that trip. Are you inviting any of our listeners, or is it closed? Nope, closed trip. Oh, closed trip. Okay. Closed trip. Because I didn't get an invite, so it must be really closed. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm. Yeah, well, you didn't have anything to drive. What if I, but if I had a full-size truck, or is it too, as a Jeep road? Uh, I mean, full-size truck can go, but it probably needs uh, 35s and lockers. Bill said he did it in his highly modified uh, Avalanche on 35s. 
And he told me his black truck was matte black by the end of the trip. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to take a work truck. Then. Yeah, probably not. Damn. Um, and he recommends front and rear lockers. Literally, you're covering 338, something like that, miles of Mojave Desert. You're, you're going through everything. Rock crawling, washes, sand, dirt, dust. Um, you're going through um, slot canyons. You're going on shelf roads. Like, this is um, just amazing Get it, everything. Some, what's crazy is that they went through with wagons. Yeah. Wagons. Yeah. Now, we're going to go do it and- uh, so I'm super excited, but I, I was stoked to find out that uh, these guys are going to offer these books again. And uh, if you want to check them out, mdhca.org. Wow. One more time? mdhca.org. It's the Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association. I think I said it the other way before, but Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association. Um, check out their website. Find out a little history of, uh, of the California desert. I know a lot of people travel from all over the country to do the Mojave Road. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening right now where you could go on an adventure and get lost. I, I know with the overlanding movement being so popular right now, this, this should be a really awesome trip to talk about and hopefully, uh, I don't know anyone who's ever geeked out so hard on a book before. History, dude. I love them. I love vintage books, love history, love the Mojave Desert history. So much stuff happened between, uh, wagons and Indians all the way up to the X-Plane era in the, forties, uh, fifties and sixties where they're flying uh, airplanes out of the Mojave Desert at Edwards Air Force Base, and they're falling out of the sky. There's all sorts of crazy plane crashes that pockmark the desert. Uh, Death Valley, I mean, there's so much out here that's just incredible in our own backyard, so I'm excited to uh, to go experience it. So anyway, uh, I'll let you know if there's a seat open, if you feel like uh, taking no, five days off. <laughs> oh, you're doing it five days? Uh, four or five, yeah. We're going to probably camp three or four nights. Are you going to do it over like a uh, Friday through Monday or something? Yeah. Or okay. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, yes, I would do that. I'll let you know. No, you won't. I didn't say I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. I said I'll let you know. I would love to do that. Holman, speaking of off-road. Truck review. <laughs> yeah. Rolling colon dragon truck nuts. It's time to talk TRX, and you had some seat time, my friend. Uh, yeah, it was... Um... Unbelievable. I'll just tell you what the uh, the title of my story was, and you might get a sense for my thought process. Uh, 2021 Ram TRX First Drive, and this is on Truck Trend and FourWheeler.com. Ram builds a love letter to off-road enthusiasts, and we are smitten. All right, I'm going to read from your story. This is kind of strange here. Uh, I'm going to skip down towards the bottom. There is no doubt the TRX is an impressive machine, but it's more than that. It is a love letter to internal combustion performance trucks, to the desert go-fast enthusiasts, and to almost everything we have ever wanted in a factory pickup. With new technologies just over the horizon, it won't be long before you won't be able to buy a vehicle like this ever again. This is one of those moments that when you strap into the driver's seat and take a breath, you realize that this one is special. We can't even believe that this truck saw the light of day, and as propulsion technology takes a different direction in the future, this is one to savor and appreciate. Just don't let the TRX be the one that got away. Uh, yeah. Well written. So, uh, as you can tell, I'm a big fan. Uh, probably one of the best trucks I've ever driven, period. Yes, I can. Uh, I know that, and uh, so do some of our listeners that are Raptor fans. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of uh, haterade going on on the yeah. uh, on the Insta. Yep. Um, I'll tell you, there's no hybrid system, no electrification, no plugs, no alternative fuel. Listen, it's a big old honking 702 horsepower, 6.2 liter Hemi V8 with a 2.4 liter supercharger bolted on top of it, and true duels. 
and in my story, I said they uh, barked out melodies with the same veracity as coyotes who serenade the moon in forgotten corners of the desert. And it is <laughs> un um, unholy. <sighs> Inside the cab is so quiet. It's like a regular Ram 1500 until you get on it, and then you hear supercharger whine, but you almost don't hear the exhaust very much. Outside, whoa. Very different. Oh, my God. I'm looking at these guys, and they're like, you like that? I'm like, do you pass noise emission re- uh, regulations? And they're like, yeah. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're on the now, bitter does, edge. does it have a cutout where you can change it, kind of like a supercar? You know, where you can say quiet mode? Who wants loud. quiet mode? No, I want to hear well, that V8 scream all the time. That's how you would oh, pass. Dude. No, no, they're not cheating. It's it's. No, I'm not saying awesome. cheating. That's how, how, how the supercars Well, that's cheating. It. If you have a bypass valve and then you can open it up louder, that's cheating. It's not cheating if you get it certified. If the if you get the open end of it certified, but then why wouldn't you just have open? But you wouldn't. You would get the non-open. You'd get no, the quiet version then, certified. And then that's cheating. It's not cheating. Okay, it's cheating. So uh, all I can tell you is uh, we went out there. We had a three-mile off-road course. We had um, we we're at Wild West Motorsports Parks uh, outside of Reno in Sparks, Nevada. And we actually were on the regular race course, uh, which they use for like Lucas Oil, short course racing, and all sorts of things like that. Um, there was a jump we were allowed to take at 55. I had a chance. The guy I was sitting with was like, you can take it at 65. 65 miles an hour off a jump where we were two feet in the air, and it landed like it was on a pile of marshmallows. It looked like you flew about 20 foot in length. Is that mm, accurate? Yeah, maybe more. Some people more. Really? Um a good friend of mine was uh, was out there on the drive, and I had texted him, and I said, hey, I heard you're out here. He goes, are you? I said, yeah. He goes, it's a sniper rifle. Bring your A game. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he was right. It is okay. a sniper rifle, but you can still use the throttle if you miss the shot. Well, what do you mean it's a sniper rifle? I, it's highly me. precise. Okay. It's highly precise. If you are a good driver and you know your steering inputs and you are going to point it in a certain direction, it will go there. Very, very precise, um, but even though it's all-wheel drive, it biases a lot of power rearward, has the ability to do that, so you can still steer with the throttle. So I came out of a turn hard, kind of missed the apex, was able to hammer it, all that horsepower rotated the the uh, truck. So you're drifting, in other words. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. They, I got off the track, had some Ram people come over, and they go, uh, we knew that was you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, okay. So anyway. But we you ha- didn't hurt it. Oh, God, no, no, not at all. Uh, and then uh, there's a whoop section on the fast uh, straight, and uh, you could choose either go fast or go over this whoop section. And there's a jump where you would jump it going uphill. There's some videos on my Instagram if you want to check it out at Sean P. Holman, uh, as well as some of my thoughts from inside. Uh, a couple questions uh, before we get into the interviews. And then there was also a launch control where they, on an eighth-mile gravel uh, track they laid out. I don't think I knew that it had a launch control It's feature. the first truck to have launch control. Really? Um it's awesome. Was that announced? Because this mm-hmm. this is like news. I don't recall talking about well, this as I've, a bullet point. I've got a re- I've got a recording of me doing launch control where you can hear it. I was doing eighty miles an hour in gravel at the end of a uh, uh, eighth mile. What did the paint look like on the ass end of the truck? They're fine. No, no problem. No, no, not at all. So there are a couple things that if you're reading the interwebs that a lot of people who are uh, Raptor uh, fans who don't want to admit that there's a better truck out there right now, we're talking about uh, how the TRX isn't proven, this was a controlled environment. Listen, I've driven a lot of trucks in 20 years, and I can tell you that this is one of the loosest, most liberal off-road courses that I've ever been on in a quote-unquote controlled environment. Uh, You could really mess up. There was places where it could go wrong. You could drive at your speed in your vehicle. 
Um, they did follow the leader, but what you did in your car, there's nobody sitting with you. There was room. So I'll, I'll say a couple things. Ram engineers knew what the weaknesses were in the in the competitors. They broke a lot of competitors. They beefed those areas up on their truck. And you mean they actually broke the trucks? They had one competitor and were told that they were not allowed to break it, that their budget would not cover another one mm. for the media drive. They're like, you're you're done. They took those areas of concern, and they're super beefy. Like if you look at the the suspension mounts and coil mounts and the way they box in like where the shocks go through – the high strength steel in the frame. The frame's completely different uh, than a standard 1500 frame. 74% new, high strength steel, different cross members. They moved the rear cross member back further so that they could put a 35 under it, all sorts of stuff. In fact, it goes from a 7100 gross vehicle weight rating to 7800 gross vehicle weight rating. So that's how different the frame is than your standard uh, half ton. The only bummer is that it looks so similar. To the regular fifteen hundred. I mean, oh, I don't think at, so. No, from a distance, it looks very similar. I mean, the the front fascia, all that. It looks it looks very similar. Uh, I don't. I I disagree. I think it looks pretty awesome when you see it in person. Well, no, it no, I'm a not, lot of presence. I'm not saying that it doesn't look awesome. What no, I'm no, saying no. Is, I don't think it looks I, that. I, I'm I'm I would be bummed if I pulled up, you know, valet, and the guy just thinks he's valeting another fifteen hundred no. truck. No, when you see it in person, it's not like that. Oh, really? It it's it's a lot more sinister and okay, a lot more presence. Those big old fenders, those big tires, it takes up a lot more space. There was a regular 1500 Limited on 20s, and it looked silly. It looked like a Hot Wheel next to a TRX. <laughs> like it's 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 amazing how the okay. same truck can change so much. But the suspension and everything they did did not feel like they just bolted it on a 1500. It felt like a completely different vehicle. Um, one of the things I was really impressed with, and we had Jason Engelman from Bilstein on talked about the technology. Those shocks are phenomenal, and I'm not just talking about phenomenal off road, which they are. I'm talking about, I did a side detour away from the drive program. There's a 10-mile side detour of a motorcycle road, so 55 miles an hour with 25-mile-an-hour posted corners. I was keeping up with uh, motorcycles on that, on that route. If a motorcycle pulled away, I had so much power, I could hit the apex and gun it out of there and catch up to it. The tires didn't squeal at all. I was doing corners on a 55-mile-an-hour road with suggested speeds of 25 around corner, 45, 50 miles an hour. There are times where it's so quiet, you're going 70, 80 miles an hour, and you're on the 45. You have no idea. Like, it's so smooth. There's so much power. Crazy. I mean, you're looking around going, (laughs) and unlike uh, the Raptor which with turbos, is you never have to worry about being mid-corner and the turbo's lighting and doing something weird. The power delivery is awesome. It's fat torque everywhere all the time. There's there's no like sudden boost of power. That's weird because Fat Torque was playing at a uh, a bar at Slash X, not far from where you were. Um, I don't think that's true. Oh no no no. So uh, the the engine, the drivetrain are great. The vehicle's great. The on road handling is amazing. You don't feel like you have thirteen and fourteen inches of travel on this truck on the highway. Uh, it feels like you have nine inches of travel. Like you hit speed bump, it soaks it up. It doesn't care. Super. It's not soft. It's not. There's no body roll. I just can't even describe it. Like, you feel the difference in this truck? Well, let me the pause you there. The very first foot you pull out of the driveway. Hold on a second. Let's talk about the body roll because that was a big deal yeah. when we had uh, Jason on the show from uh, Bill Stein. Yeah. He, we were talking about how flat it is, and he was saying that they had to make it – it had to have some body roll because right. if it was too flat, you'd drive too fast. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. No, you, you can feel it. They definitely – toward the limit off-road, you, it's, it lets you know. Um, but it, it doesn't interfere otherwise. Like it's always, I I mean, it's hard to explain unless you've driven it. I mean, you look at all the things that they've done to this truck, even the, the shocks have like a, uh, a kicker cover, you know, to keep rocks from pitting the shaft. Mm -hmm. 
they it's specially designed, you know, um, plastic, polymer, resin, whatever it is, so that it doesn't break or get furry and fall apart with rock hits over time. Mm. Like down to that little detail. Um, Do they have pink ones like they did in the eighties? No, no, no neon shock boots on these. Oh, okay. This is all all business. Uh, and the the interior, we were in uh, the, the TR2 <laughs> models, which are the uh, the highest trim level. All TRXs are the same. TR1, TR2 is just the accoutrements that come with the interior. It's accoutrement. accoutrement. Thank you. And, uh, and we were in the TR2, which would rival a- any car in the world. I mean, the level of quality, the fit and finish, the real leather, the suede, the um, real matte carbon fiber – all that stuff. And uh, Ram fans might also like the fact that there's no more shifter, no more dial shifter on the dash. It's now a console shifter um, Good. that you can take over manually. And there's also real metal paddles behind paddles. the, steer- oh, the but steering you're, But you're such a paddle fan. I hate paddles. I didn't even use them, to be honest I, with I you. I like paddles. Yeah, I'm not, I, I just, paddles don't work for me. But if you like them, they're there. Um, anyway, so much to talk about the truck. I was super impressed. As you can tell, it was exciting. It's one of those those uh, launches where you go, I can't believe that I got invited to do this. And the trucks perform flawlessly. You have people of all skill levels launching them off jumps at 50 miles an hour, plus some people launching them at 70 miles an hour. I saw one. I don't know who was driving it, and you and I were talking about it in the, in the car ride over uh-huh. here. Uh, this person launched it like really far. Yeah. And it landed on the jounces. Yeah. And it sounds, it's very metallic sounding, yeah. which you reassured me is supposed to sound that way. That's just the the but uh, internal jounces, what Bill Stein calls the JCOs, jounce cutoffs, engaging. But it sounded like one of the, uh, like a sand car at the Huckfest. It's just like, wow, smash. No, and, it's, but, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. So a lot of people on the internet were talking about, how, oh, the shocks suck because they're not a three-inch body like the Foxes are, but the reality is Foxes aren't three-inch piston. What you care about is working piston area. You don't care about the body because that doesn't tell you what the shock's doing. When you have an internal bypass sleeve on the inside, you have a smaller piston because it's obviously not going to be the same size. The Bilstein has a 58-millimeter working piston area. I believe the Fox shocks are 57-millimeter, so they're very comparable in that in that way. The active damping on the, uh, on the Bilsteins, much wider... On both circuits, completely independent. The, the active suspension is amazing uh, compared to the live valve, which just has jump detection. And then one of the things I wanted to bring up is a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you can't jump an all-wheel drive vehicle because blah, 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 blah. You'll blow up the truck. These guys are idiots. Rams idiots. They don't know what they're doing. The ECM actually has jump detection mode in it. And as it uses the same sensors of the suspension, and when it feels like you've uh, made a jump, it locks the transmission in the gear that you're in so it doesn't freewheel and upshift as you're in the air. And it decouples all the clutches and opens them up on the transfer case so there's no, there's, uh, there's no shock loads going through the drivetrain as you land. So it's coming down in neutral, basically. No, it's not neutral. I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't describe it's, it as But that. the front wheels would be in neutral, no? I wouldn't call it neutral. Just, just disengaged. Just, it's, I don't know how fast that process happens. But all it does is it, it frees it up so it's not sending spiked loads through the drivetrain, okay. but it's instantly available as soon as you land. So I don't know if opening up the clutches is 100%. I don't think it is. But they, I, I, my point is that they, they're taking into account that criticism. Oh, it's all-wheel drive. It must be bad. I mean, these trucks must have done hundreds of miles on the track with various drivers landing and jumping all day long and you know no issues. People were smiling. The trucks lasted. Uh, I mean, just by the amazing. way, that's a job that we need. 
Uh, it was a job that I had for a day, and it was freaking awesome. <laughs> so uh, I got some I got some audio. All right, so I think the first one is uh, with our friend who is going to give us a ride around a three-mile off-road course. All right, everybody, it's Holman, and uh, I am in a Ram TRX, and uh, you'll never uh, you'll never guess who's on this program and who I got to see. Uh, state your name, please. Well, you can call me anything you want, but I go by Josh. Oh, no, not Josh Hall. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Would that be the Josh Hall? Yeah, well, I'm going by it today. So the uh, funny thing on the podcast is I've regaled our audience so many times that I go racing with the halls that it's uh-huh. become a thing. So I did not set this up. I came to the Ram event, found out that my buddy Josh was actually one of the people who put the uh, logistics and driving portions of the course together. And uh, why don't you talk real quick about your, um, your re- how about your resume in stock full racing? Well, that's, that's certainly where I made my reputation was in Stockfull, being able to take a production truck and get the most out of it and make it move as fast as possible without, hopefully, tearing it up. And I had a chance for several years to, uh, to race with you in Baja, I don't know, with four or five or something like that, and had a, uh, had a blast. And I think, I don't know, I've probably told everybody before the story of where I yacked in your truck and we kept going, and I, you gave me the trophy for that race. I still have it in my office. You are the toughest <laughs> person I've ever been with as a crew member in my truck. After the first time you yacked, I said, Sean, Sean, you can get out here. And he said, nope, I'm good to go. As soon as we passed uh, the first pit stop, and it was he was in it for the next 100 miles, and uh, tough, tough son of a gun. I appreciate that your story's not bogus. That I yacked in my helmet? No. In 110-degree heat well, well, we and knew kept th- racing? Oh, I knew that already. Okay. But, well, at least I knew that from you. I didn't know that to be factual, and now <laughs> I'm hearing it from Josh's mouth, and I, I feel a little bit better about the, oh, uh, good. the story. Okay. Yeah. Once, you, you. Uh, once you barf, you feel good, by the way. And so, <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to have you, and we won that race, by the way, and I wasn't going to have you uh, have you lose the race on account of me. And honestly, probably one of the coolest things ever was later that year I had a chance to race with you guys in Baja as part of a media program with another manufacturer and race with your dad. And on the side of your dad's truck was the names of every single person who was on that trip. And my name wasn't on there. And I was like, well, wait a minute. And then you did the walk around and the safety briefing with the crew. And I saw you had put my name on your truck. And you had said, you know, I earned my spot in your truck. And still to this day, probably one of the coolest things uh, that, you know, compliments, I guess, I've ever gotten from somebody. Uh, Sean, the pleasure has always been mine with you. I appreciate it. appreciate uh, our friendship over the years. Um, I appreciate having uh, had known your dad, who was obviously Rod Hall, an amazing racer. Um, and, and an icon in, in the off-road race industry and one of the only people to, I think he was the, did the most consecutive or over 50 Baja races or something like that. What was the record that he finally set? You know, I'm not sure the number. I think this is 54 and I think he did 51 or 52. So he was in the first 52 yeah. Baja 1000s and nobody uh, had ever done that on four wheels. He was one of the, the OGs and, and a great guy. I'll never forget the first time I met you guys was on a drive program where uh, Hall Racing was doing the logistics kind of like this and we were around Reno and some off-road vehicles and uh, very wide off-road vehicles and your dad said I'll give money to anyone who has more scratches on the driver's side than the passenger side oh, yeah. <laughs> and and that was uh, I always laugh at that because anytime you're wheeling with somebody there's always way more desert pinstriping on the passenger side so all right enough of that stuff uh, we are in a brand new TRX 
and there's a three mile off-road loop so I thought maybe we could go for a, a ride and you could hot shoe us around and maybe talk about the truck from a driver's perspective. Absolutely, love to. This right. is a blast truck to drive. Let's do it. So one of the things that I'm really impressed with is just how uh, how docile the truck is down low. I was afraid, as much as I thought that this truck was going to be awesome, I was a little bit afraid that it would be too high strung and it's not that at all. Super low end torque, uh, very easy to manage. Um, Tons of settings. These have the uh, the Black Hawk um, E squared. Uh, I guess they call them semi-active. Bram calls them fully. Bill Stein calls them semi. Um, but just amazing suspension. All right. So the difference uh, between Ram calling them fully and Bill Stein calling them semi is that in Ram's world, they consider them fully active because they're always on and they're always active. In Bill Stein's world, they call them semi because, as Jason explained on the Bill Stein part of the podcast we did with him, they can't pick up a wheel or affect the wheel. The wheel can only affect them, right? So they're not like you know, a, they don't, they can't uh, adjust the wheel on their own. They can only be reactive. And so, funny Ram says, "Oh, fully active suspension." Bill Stein no, says semi. But anyway. I, I think people wouldn't expect. The, the shock uh, to be able to pick up the wheel. Like, that's very unusual. But uh, like I'm saying, in, in suspension parlance, Bill Stein is very technical in that way, so they're right. not going to say it's fully. But Ram says it's fully because it's on all the time and it's adjustable within, like, to the 10 millisecond or something like that. Well, you got to be careful because the first thing that will happen is when you roll on the throttle, you get it. Yeah, there's not a lot of lag in this truck at all. And about 75% of the frame is new, so it's even got a higher gross vehicle weight rating. It's uh, 7,800 pounds. It's got a full flow Dana 60 rear end. It even has a like a Bill Stein a kicker shock. And we're climbing up a Caterpillar tracks here. Now, what's rattling? Is it your Dr. Pepper can in the uh, center it's console? It's my belly. Oh. It's lunch. <laughs> Just listen to the engine as uh, Josh is powering this thing around the corners and up the hill. God, that thing sounds good. It does. I, I wish you would have had a microphone under the hood because that uh, the so quiet wine is, yeah, super cool. One of the things you might hear is the uh, JCOs engaging. So these shocks from the factory have a Jones cutoff like we talked about in a previ previous episode with Jason Engelman from Bill Stein. Um, you can, I, I guess what's amazing to me as a passenger or dr even driving, there's nothing to tell you that the suspension is doing anything. It just works. That's it. Every time. It's predictable, controllable, comfortable. It's everything you want. The steering is awesome. 14.1 inch brakes in the rear, 14.9 with a monoblock, uh, two piston caliper in the front. The steering is dead on accurate. Brake pedal feel is awesome. All right, Josh could open it up on this uh, uphill section. Just listen. We're going over whoops at about 65, 70 miles an hour at an angle. And the 13 inches of front, 14 inches of rear travel, just soaking it up. 
and you can hear how quiet it is. There's no crazy mechanical sounds. The occasional JCO engagement is about it. What you're not seeing is how rocky and absolutely small little four inch deep chatter bumps everywhere. Right now we're in four high and it's just clawing up this. We're in Baja mode right now, which uh, removes most of the nannies, changes the uh, transmission, um, algorithm, pedal, suspension. This is the stuff that really beats you up if you have to do it for a long period of time. And in a stock vehicle like this, it's amazing that it's amazing that you can buy this off the factory floor and it's this good. I know everybody wants to know what the uh, how it is compared to the other truck. And uh, I can tell you it's next level. Um, as, as good as that truck was when it first came out um, back in 09, 10, around there, uh, this is the next level. This is what that, le that leap feels like today, is what this truck felt, is what that truck felt like back then. And I wish you could just see that uh, it was a off camber, downward sloping cross berm that we just ate up like nothing. It's amazing how quiet, you can hear the supercharger whine, but the exhaust is unruly. It's absolutely rowdy outside and in here it's just yep. super quiet. Although one nice thing about the blower whine is you don't have to look at the tack. You can absolutely tell where the engine is in the RPM band. Yeah, it feels stout and heavy, and, and I mean that in a good way. It doesn't feel um, like it's laboring, but it feels like it's, it's solid. Um, I think it mellows out some of the bite and the snap you might get from the, the 6.2 supercharged engine. It's very linear and very mellow in its power delivery, so you're not gonna find yourself mid-corner and all of a sudden have it change the power delivery. And so there's no surprises when it comes to the throttle. I mean, just through that section right there, slightly downhill, berms, now in the cross chatter. Still amazingly comfortable. The AC's on, got my heat, my seat cooler on. <laughs> better You're the one to suffer, Sean. Better than the time that I was falling asleep in the passenger seat and uh, we were going through the cactus garden, so you thought it would be fun to wake me up by driving over the cactuses and have the uh, bulbs flying through the windshield to uh, stick to my suit. That got my attention. It happens. <laughs> I'm amazed that uh, the Ram guys out on the track too, There's uh, we were literally jumping these things over a foot off the ground. And this has been a, a really, a really liberal uh, uh, program in terms of allowing us a little bit of leash. I mean, controlled environment and safe, but got to experience the trucks really close to the limits like we might not be able to do otherwise. Now you saw me going around the track earlier when I was driving, what did you think? I knew it was you. <laughs> I so knew it was you. <laughs> Halfway through turn number two, sideways, standing on the gas, <laughs> heading to the exit. I went, that's Holman. <laughs> that's All right, well, true I, story. I guess you know my driving style. No, it, it looked good. You were smooth and you were doing what the truck, you know, the thing is, the TRX has so much capability that you gotta, you gotta use it. Use the tools that uh, that they de developed in the truck, and that's what you were doing. It was awesome. The one thing I'll say is, again, for being an all-wheel drive vehicle, the amount of steering uh, directional change that you can get from 
you know, standing on the throttle and rotate with the throttle. The truck knows and it can bias the uh, the torque between the front and the rear, so it's not always 50-50, it's biased rear, which allows you to rotate around corners. And if you get into a, a corner too too fast or too hot, or even if you're understeering, you can use that throttle and turn, kick your tail out and get straight again. And it's, absolutely. I mean, a blast. Yep, absolutely. And you looked good doing it, even with that <laughs> mask on. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we uh, have uh, helmets and masks and all that stuff, so we have to be safe. But um, my friend, so good to see you. and. I'm, I'm glad to be uh, in your passenger seat once again. I, I, I'm thankful that uh, when I heard you were here or coming here, I went, oh my gosh, this is going to be really enjoyable. And you have not disappointed. It's always fun to be around you, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. And uh, hopefully uh, one time uh, in the future, I get to be in your, uh, your passenger seat again. You're on. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Oh, home a little love there. Had a love moment. Uh, it was awesome. No, jo- Josh, uh, Josh and his family will always... Uh, be near and dear to me. Uh, I've raced with his uh, brother Chad. Raced with his dad. You don't say. Him. And uh, you know you don't. That's one of those life experiences, bucket list things, where you actually get to go race in the Baja 1000. You never forget those experiences because that's uh, that's life changing. So to uh, to see my old friend again and uh, and get to uh, experience his driving. He's uh, an amazing driver. Was awesome. So that was a three mile course. You could hear the truck working. I don't know if it, if you're in your car right now. I'm listening in the headphones, and my adrenaline was pumping through some of that stuff. And I feel like I'm coming down a little bit right now. Um, you guys are probably hearing some of it. it depends how loud you're cranking the stereo in your uh, truck. But uh, I've I've boosted it as, as much as I can. But uh, I I want to hear this next piece, which I think is labeled launch control. All right, let's play it. Now explain. <laughs> that was uh, about 80 miles an hour at the end of the eighth mile. Oh jeez! <laughs> oh, so awesome. I explain uh, what just happened. Okay, there. so uh, the just like an SRT product, there's a launch control mode where you put your foot on the brake and you can see brake pressure in your DIC, and then you stomp the gas and it'll show you whatever preset RPM you set it at, like 2400 RPM, which is I think that launch. You stomp the gas and it'll hold it at 2400. And when you let off the brake, it gives you full tilt. Wow. And so we were on a gravel road, eighth mile long, hit about 80 miles an hour on gravel. And it just hooks. Uh, just unbelievable. And I, un, you know, I, that was loud because I rolled down all the windows because I wanted you to be able to hear what the outside sounded like. And um, I think it, you know it's hard with one microphone in the middle of the car while you're driving to try and give you that experience. But um, I think you understand it. I think, uh, you know... Some of that visceralness, uh, I, I think, is maybe lost a little bit in translation. But again, if you go to my Instagram at Sean P. Holman, I've got in a cab video of me driving uh, that you can watch and you can hear the, uh, you know, you can hear how it sounds a little bit better on that. Um, I bought a really crappy Amazon phone mount, so you it's sure shaky did. already. If I I gunned it at one point and it flew off the dash because <laughs> it, it accelerated so hard. I love that because <laughs> it ends up like uh, between the seats uh, and yeah. the center console. I just kept it in. I was like, should I edit that out? I'm like, no. nah, you know what? That was That's part of the fun. <laughs> Casualty. They're super, uh, super raw videos. They're not edited at all. It's just me five minutes driving, uh, so you can kind of check it out. Um, so anyway, at Sean P. Holman, check those out. It's pretty cool. And, and this, what is this? I see we've got the the TRX chief. Yeah, so uh, the chief engineer for TRX is a friend of mine who used to be on the Wrangler JL program, 
and uh, they tapped him for TRX. And uh, so there's a few little Jeep tricks that the TRX has brought from uh, some of his experience. Uh, but we sat down and uh, he walks us through basically the TRX. So you know about the suspension from Jason Engelman from Bill Stein. Now you'll find out all about the uh, the Ram side of the engineering from uh, from Jeff at Ram. All right, so uh, we had an amazing day out on the trail today and uh, in jumping uh, TRXs and uh, launch control testing. And, of course, this was all in the name of science. Um, but we had to test the work of uh, my friend Jeff Roselli from Ram. And uh, used to be on the Jeep side, and somehow they commandeered you and you took all that off-road uh, engineering expertise and brought it over to TRX. What's your, uh, what's your official title now? So uh, I am the chief engineer for the Ram TRX. I have a very sordid past. <laughs> it, uh, it started with uh, Grand Cherokee SRT and then uh, kind of flipped the switch and uh, went from going as fast as possible in Jeeps to uh, creeping as, as slow as possible in Wranglers. And then I'm, I'm kind of back to this, uh, this, this combination of my, my two previous roles on uh, just making one badass truck. All right, um, I don't know how to say this any other way, but to straight come out and say this is the most uh, impressive light truck I've ever driven in my 20 years of doing this job. I, I, it's not hyperbole. I'm not overstating it. I just am so blown away by the experience. So recently we had Jason Engelman from Bill Stein on to talk about um, the shock technology. And so obviously he came out here today to finally get behind the wheel and experience it lives up to the hype absolutely it's it's incredible but what i want to do is talk to you about all the engineering that went into the trx because i think there's a lot of hidden gems in there that not a lot of people will hear from the mainstream press about they'll, they'll tell you how it rides and they'll tell you a little bit about technology but there's so much more that went into the vehicle that i thought if we could sit down with you it'd be pretty cool to tell that story yeah uh the real the great thing right is first off you know the ram 1500 is a very refined and you know from a from a structure from a acoustics and also just from a suspension geometry standpoint right it's an awesome starting point um, when the brand guys come to us and say we want to go out there and we want to clobber the competition um, it, it really lets us focus on those things where we know we can move the dial uh, powertrain right chassis and and we really leveraged you know the whole team when i say that right we've got the SRT crew, right, who is you know, all about speed. But, you know, we leveraged our Jeep crew as well, right? Some of the, the former guys you've crossed paths with, right, about, you know, that low speed controllability too. So this truck isn't just a one trick pony. Although, you know, we, we talk and we hype. I mean, this thing will rip across the desert at insane speeds. Uh, it will also do the other things well. And again, because it's got those awesome bones, I mean, it, it, it can cruise down the road, it can cruise down the highway it can do all of those everyday tasks just as well. So we started our day on a highway drive, and so it's really easy to, to see the truck as a one-trick pony. Oh, they made it go fast in the desert. But the reality is, is it's 8,100-pound tow rating, so you're doing real truck work. I mean, 8,100 pounds is a significant number. But on the highway, what I was amazed with is how great it rode but also we were able to attack some twisty roads, roads that motorcycles were on, that I was able to hang with some of the motorcycles. The roads we were on were curves at 35, 40 miles an hour. We were in between curves at 80 miles an hour, and we were entering the curves at like 60, 55, and then powering out of them, not realizing. I mean, there was one time I caught myself going 80 in a 
long straight stretch that was 50, I had no idea I was going 80. I, there's the quietness, you can't understate. The, the tires make no noise, the noise cancellation in the DT platform anyway, and all the mm -hmm. acoustic things you've done is amazing. And it's funny because um, on top of being impressed with the on-highway ride, I kind of came in with a preconceived notion knowing the Trackhawk from, from Jeep on the Grand Cherokee, which is one of my favorite vehicles, by the way. I always said that that is the world's best supercar value. There is no other supercar with all-wheel drive and 700 horsepower, let alone fits five people and then under 80 grand, right? Like it's just, it just doesn't exist. So I'm a big fan. But the thing about driving that vehicle is it feels a little bit high strung and it's like, do I really want to take this to the grocery store? Do I really want to go on a long trip? With the TRX, I was literally driving going, I could drive this every day. The engine is so docile until you stab it and then it becomes just this rowdy, raucous, you know, experience. But Otherwise, you would never. It feels like a truck engine, and I I couldn't believe that that was the experience I was having on road. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about the engine, right? We're talking gobs of power, gobs of torque, eight-speed torque-like transmission, right? It's like a finely engineered piece. But I mean, my calibration team, we run them through the ringer, right? And and, and I'm talking going back to the other, like the Track Hawk, like the Charger Challenge, right? I mean, we make these guys work on track and on road in the case of this truck on the trail i mean they've got thousands and thousands of miles of making this thing work on their way to the trail on their way out into the desert while they're in the desert coming back i mean we we've got a talented group a, a talented team who who just i mean they know how to work every lever with the technology we have we talked about the ride right i mean talking to the bilstein guys right like the the controllability the the range of damping force and you know i mean they're no dummies when it comes to um our dynamics guys and their software guys and their hardware guys i mean we, we and by the way this isn't new like srt has been every srt vehicle has a bilstein component to it so a lot of these guys have rapport and have worked with the the modules have worked together before this is taking what the company out of the, I don't want to say parts bin because I think there's a negative connotation to it, but really taking best practices, I guess you could say, from different parts of the company and combining all those in one vehicle. For sure, for sure. Like I said before, right, the, the Jeep guys and their low speed crawling, I mean, I don't even know where to start um, from the shock standpoint, right? My, my dynamics guy is just a hardcore detail oriented wheel man. And it doesn't matter if he is on track or if he is off-road. Like he, he is at one with the machine. He is committed, and, and he can dial in a vehicle. Um, you, know, you can't get him to say boo. He is an, <laughs> an introvert of introverts. But, I mean, that's the kind of team member I'm talking about who the guy is just a cut above. And I think when you see the product, we've got an awesome technology partner. We've got awesome controls. And um, you know, it just it just comes together in, in just a tight, controlled, but still plush package, right? I, I don't think there is anywhere you drove today where you would have said, "Man, this is this isn't what I mean." That truck is just so capable in all conditions and surfaces. On, on the highway, I was literally thinking I could take this on a road trip tomorrow, cross country, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. It was so comfortable. Um, thank God it has the 33-gallon fuel tank because, uh, you know, we were probably, honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought. We were probably seeing 13 on the highway, which is probably about, it's no worse than a power wagon, right? So if you're in that class of truck looking for that super off-road capable and you can get that in the TRX, you're probably not bad. But one of the things I will say is I like the linear power delivery of the 6.2. Um, 
Don't call it Hellcat. We've explained this before. <laughs> um, I love it because in the competitor, there's times where, especially off-road, you can get into a situation where if the turbos light up, it can be in a really bad section that can kick you out. And you can get yourself, I mean, it's really easy to get in over your head where I felt like today in the TRX, because the power delivery was always fat, was always there, there was no spike in power delivery, I was never afraid to push it because I didn't have to worry about something stepping in really fast and upsetting the chassis. And I, I thought that was another thing where I was like, you know what, I've always been, a, I love superchargers, you know, there's obviously turbo guys and supercharger guys, there's no lag, it's on it, and the power delivery is, is, is a hairy chested ape. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are totally spoiled with that power plant, right? I mean, it has power on demand everywhere and anywhere. Um, and, and like you said, you, you can always be sure it's going to be there when you call on it. And when you really call on it, right, it, it just clubs you in the back. You've got the sound, you've got the rush of the acceleration. I mean, the, the launch control launches you were doing, right? I oh, mean, yeah. It's just a grin fest, right? I mean, you, you just you, you can't get it. I so it was a uh, a dirt uh, eighth mile basically track, and I was hitting nearly eighty at the end of it, in dirt and gravel, in launch control mode. I mean, just it was it was stupid, and it's funny because the truck's so quiet. You hear supercharger whine, which I like. A lot of manufacturers today are trying to hide supercharger whine, and you hear it, and then you even off road you can kind of tell where it is in the rpm range by the supercharger whine certainly not from the exhaust because you don't hear it from inside the truck you got to roll down the windows to, to experience it because when you're outside the truck holy crap but inside the truck you're just like oh did i set off car alarms behind me you know right so the exhaust was really a a technical challenge on the truck um you know we are subject to the same pass by limits as everyone else and that cab is so quiet and isolated and, and this is the longest exhaust that's bolted to any 6.2 supercharged Hemi, right? So we, 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 are, we are right on the limit, really just like any, any uh, 6.2 supercharged <laughs> Hemi vehicle. But, um, you know, the, the X-pipe tuning and even the X-pipe location, we, we went through a lot of permutations of that. So three-inch pipes, true X-pipe, goes into five inch is it resonators back to a three inch tailpipe into a five inch tip right yep yep and uh you know one of the things you'll see on that is the resonance free pipe uh it, it allowed us to get out of having you know the rear resonator both from a packaging from a weight from a durability standpoint all all the made room for a full size 35 under the back right <laughs> correct correct and you know the you know, we, we say beehive but that suspension travel package is challenging for for the existing components. Um, but really, just getting back to the exhaust, I mean, we we had X-pipes, we had H-pipes, we had large volumes, we had split volumes. I mean, we really threw the kitchen sink at it. And uh, when what we came up with, I mean, you can hear it, right? When you, you get on it, we, yeah. we think it's a great balance, whether you're- But there's zero resonance. Like anytime you put an aftermarket exhaust, the concern is always, is it gonna resonate inside the cab? There is literally zero resonance inside the cab when you're driving. There's nothing that is annoying or would uh, take away from the joy of cruising speed. Nothing. And I, I'm I just I'm I'm blown away that the only noise you really hear is a little bit of exhaust rumble and supercharger whine. And that's it. Yeah, it's a real it's a real sweetheart package. It really it really is. Um I think one of my favorite parts actually is kind of the low speed when you tip out you get a couple <laughs> little blah blah blah, blah yeah, burbles yeah. it's a great compliment to the character of the truck right it's this it's this burly beastie thing it doesn't sound like a tractor that's right that's <laughs> right and, and it you know it's just 
I don't know. I think the, the balance of that, the supercharger and the exhaust note is really kind of indicative of the whole balance of the vehicle, right? I mean, it, like you said, it can carve corners. It, you know, it's got a wider track, right? I mean, this, this thing, that suspension geometry lends itself to more than just travel, right? I mean, it's got great geometry from a roll standpoint, from kinematics. It's a great package. It's uh, three inches wider per side, right? So is that being a right. six inch wider track width on it? And it's 88 inches wide overall? Correct. So let's talk about the frame because uh, this isn't a Ram 1500 Rebel that you guys bolted a bunch of parts to, uh, which would be fine if you did because that is honestly another one of my favorite trucks that's currently on the market. It's a fantastic truck. But instead, you guys basically built a completely new chassis, 74% uh, new frame, high strength steel, um, different treatments, different cross members, different braces. You learn from destructive testing on other vehicles in the segment, what would rip, what would tear, reinforce those things on yours. So a lot of learnings from uh, testing the competitor was, you know, bracket size. I mean, even like the the top of the, the coil buckets um, on your truck, it, it almost looks like they're 3 sixteenths. I mean, they're su- I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that beefy on an OE frame before. And looking at some of the center sections of the frame, the cross sections, um, what you're doing in, in gauge, uh, you know, thickness of gauge plus high strength steel is really incredible. Yeah, and, and you know, I threw my hat off to the dynamics guys. I'll, I'll, I'll give full hats off to the frame team too. Again, this one of the benefits of this company, right, is we've got experts and we called on the frame experts and, and you know, they really delivered. We very early on took loads, right? We, we knew the way the customers were gonna use it. We left the ground, we ran <laughs> through the washboards, right? We did all that hard work up front to get the right loads. And then we leaned on our simulation team and and the frame guys came through like gangbusters right i mean they were inventive they they went the route of yes we would up gauge like you said to the limit of what we could stamp uh we up yielded we you know scoured the earth to find the materials to well not only that frame. but you guys had to take into account manufacturing like there are things in manufacturing you had to buy new tools and change the process on because this is built in sterling heights michigan on the same factory floor as the rest of the dt or current ram 1500 lineup and you guys had to figure out new methods of bolting on these bigger parts because they were so much more beefy. They were outside the spec of, of how normal DT gets built. That's how different this chassis is. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, one of the questions we get often is, you know, is it a three-quarter ton frame? I mean, this is a unique species geometry-wise. It, it fits the tooling of a 1500 frame, but like you said, 74% is new and... Um, it's incredible to see one of these trucks go down the line. Uh, everything is like 11 tenths scale. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from the, the time the control arms go on, uh, the shocks install, I know we talked earlier, even something as simple as, you know, when we lift the axle to install the springs, right? That long travel spring gave my poor manufacturing friends fits. That, that axle is huge, by the way, and I understand. <laughs> I think originally we were calling it Dana 60, but it's actually an Advantech 215. So it's 250. 250. I'm sorry, 250. That's a big boy. 250 millimeter ring gear is is massive. Um, I can't even imagine what the weight is over a standard, you know, uh, I guess it's AEM axle that you'd have on the standard truck. Uh, and then you went to a full floater on it too. So it's not like you just upsized the axle. You guys went through all the right pieces to, to put something on there that is a meaningful change. Yeah, uh, axle team, you know, they went for they went for the jugular. They, they knew that this truck was gonna be used, used hard. 
and uh, that axle design is. I think I've said before it's it's pretty much missile proof, right? <laughs> it's um, if you're not if you're gonna have a problem, it won't be the rear axle. That is for sure, right? It's it's got unit bearings out on the ends, um, you know, just to really handle the landing loads of of what this truck can do. And and boy, were we landing today! I saw trucks that were probably, and I'm not even kidding. I would guess more than 24 inches off the ground. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, with that much <laughs> suspension travel and then you see that much yeah. air, that much daylight under the tires. No, the, the yeah, yeah, this wasn't like you hit a bump and it's like, oh, look at that cute little three inches of air. There were, the, the amount of air people were getting in this were, could be measured in rulers. And I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. There were some big air moments where everybody's like, ooh, and then you saw it land, you're like, yay! You know, it's so funny watching everybody by the fence, seeing people hit the, the jumps, and I'm sure you guys were probably like, slow it down a bit, guys, but the reality <laughs> is the truck the truck took it. Yeah, yeah, we, we say it's engineered bolt by bolt for the most punishing of, of conditions, and, you know, it really is. Um, you proved that with journalists today. <laughs> sure did, right? This is, uh, I have these flashbacks, and you can obviously edit this one out, but I have these Napoleon Dynamite flashbacks. You got like two inches of air that time, right? That is certainly not the case with uh, you guys at the wheel today. We're so keeping that in. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's something. It's really, uh, you know... And, and yeah, we're, we're standing there at the fence, like just kind of egging people on because <laughs> there's, well, there's a point where I came in, I rode by you guys and I got a little bit of air and, and, and got sideways around the corner. And then I realized you were all watching me and I got off the track. I'm like, sorry about that. You're like, no, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. The, uh, there were, <laughs> there were no shortage of cameras and I'll tell you what, people were having difficulty today trying to figure out which way to aim based on the activity that was going on on the track. That's true. Now, we talked about the suspension modules, and I thought one of the funny things you guys had talked about earlier today was you said with the modules that you know when the truck is heaving, when it's rolling, when it's jumping, what the speed is. But one of the comments you made was, you may not know that you hit a speed bump, but we know it. And talking about just how adaptive the you know um, active suspension is and, and able to change those uh, the valving on the fly. The big leap over the previous SRT building systems is... We've got both wheel position and the accelerometer, so we, we know exactly platform movement versus wheel end movement. And that's really the kind of next level of controls. We are very fortunate with our technical partner that they, they've got algorithms, and when we put them into this vehicle usage, we can really dial them in. Um, we know when we've hit a drop-off, we know when, we, when we've ramped into an event, um, and based, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the drive modes, right? When you're in Baja mode, obviously we give you a lot of free range, but when that baby starts getting to the end of travel, right, we lock her down. And um, that's what you saw today, right, with that truck. Just oh, there was a moment, so I was in Baja mode on the track, and I launched it. I probably hit the ramp at, you know, the jump at like 65. I think everybody's kind of doing 55 to 60. Some people got a little higher. And I was not trying to go that fast, but I... I got a little faster than I thought it was because I blipped the throttle before we hit it to do the weight transfer. And, of course, the 6.2 gave me, <laughs> you know, a few more miles per hour than I, I thought it would and landed it. But now I'm hot into literally a 180-degree hairpin and was, was going wide on that and was able to stab the throttle and completely rotate the rear end and pull myself out of it. And I was so impressed that with an all-wheel drive platform that I was able to do that with the throttle and save myself from the steering where I was I didn't put myself in the best situation I was too late for the apex and the throttle got me rotated around and I was in no worse shape to, to hit the hill right beyond that 
Yeah, I mean, we've got some history with high-performance all-wheel drive systems too from the Trackhawk, and and we really dialed it in on this truck. Um, we knew there'd be the folks saying, right, like we want to do burnouts, we want to you know pitch it around in corners, and as you felt today, right, the truck is absolutely capable of that. We we really target a a, a high rear bias in that Baja mode. Uh, and you'll see like in snow mode, right? It's it's dialed much closer to 50-50, but the the Baja mode character of this truck is tail out, yeah. flinging sand. Oh, as it should be. Like you should be able to not only go sideways in a wash, but if you have like a cross ripple that's you know 12 inches high in the middle of your line, it doesn't care because it has so much travel, it just blows right through that. And you can just chew it right out and spit it out with a big, you know, uh, roost out the back tires if you want to and completely felt that today and it was it was fun because you guys don't take away from the driving experience and there's so many performance vehicles out there that pull the reins back too soon and especially in the off-road world there's a lot of manufacturers out there who will pull the reins back prematurely and, and let's say if you're powering through and driving with the throttle to avoid a bush or something like that in the middle of the wash they'll straighten you out because they think you're getting too sideways and you go right through the middle of the bush rather than going around it and I, I hate that, and you guys have absolutely allowed the driver to be a driver in this truck. Again, the drive modes give us that opportunity, right? We we really do dial in a setting that allows you in, in Baja to place that truck with the throttle, which is what enthusiasts want. Uh, sport mode, you'd, you'd feel a lot of the same behavior. And, and on the opposite side of the coin, right, the snow mode, right? I mean, it is very benign, and it is... I mean, we intended this truck to be in all climates, right? And, and I mean, I think you heard the, the comment earlier, right? I mean, we built ice jumps yeah. while, while testing, <laughs> yeah. you know, up in the, up in the winter wild. For science. <laughs> <laughs> we really hate our jobs. Yeah, right? It sounds it's, like it. It's a, it's a tough deal. But, no, I mean, we learned a lot uh, on driveline dynamics, right? Uh, with even going back to the first Grand Cherokee SRT back in 06, and we've really refined and worked that model and and this truck with this off-road performance has given us kind of you know another window to work in for that which has just been awesome so going off of building on trackhawk actually one of the components in the in the trx that would be familiar is the transfer case and you guys have beefed it up from the trackhawk and made it um you know heavier duty for desert duty and and more clutches more holding power but maybe talk through what the transfer case is, is capable of. And we talked about the center differential being able to uh, vector torque front and rear in the different modes. Maybe describe that a little bit. So to get into the nitty gritty, the, the transfer case in the TRX is actually a different supplier from the Trackhawk. Okay. Uh, and that's really kind of based on just the, the vehicle platform. Um, but it's it's the same recipe, right? Trans is the same then, right? Trans is the same. Yes, that's correct. But it's really the same recipe on the transfer case. We take the standard one, we add more clutches, uh, larger chains, and and we were very serious up front about what are the temps in that, how much slippage can we have, and, and, and our suppliers are usually pretty conservative about that, and we really push the envelope on them. And, you know, these we have abused these, <laughs> these transfer cases, right? I and mean, when I'm talking about that 80% rear torque, I mean, that is split, uh, that is slip across that clutch. And, and we're uh, talking 600 and, or 702 horsepower, and then what's the torque rating on it? 650 foot-pounds. Yeah, so 650, so we're not talking about, oh, well, tie horsepower and like 300 pound-feet of torque. It's, it's bur I mean, th this is the amount of torque a manual trans Ram Cummins with the G56 or MV4500 was probably 
what seven or eight years ago or something like that. I mean, six fifty is a that that's a significant number. That's correct. And and <laughs> as you felt today, it's always there. Yeah. It's not like it's at one point of the rev range. And and that also helps us, right? Because we know as we are apportioning torque, we can be very confident that when we start locking that clutch up or slipping that clutch, we are getting a consistent response through the whole powertrain. All right, no, uh, no go fast vehicles complete without brakes. You guys stuff massive two-piece 14.9 inch rotors in the front with a monoblock uh, twin piston calipers and then the rears are like 14.1 inches. I mean, the brakes on these things are massive. I was uh, really impressed with the brake pedal feel. So this brake package uh, dimensionally is going to be very similar to what you'd see in a Ram 1500. Um, it's, it's really sized to that 18 inch wheel package, but for the TRX, because we had the bigger tire, because we had the higher power, we did a lot of unique stuff within the caliper to really deliver that pedal feel. It's an awesome package, right? It is designed to stop a very uh, a, a gross combined vehicle weight, large trailer, heavy truck. And uh, for, for this package, right, with some little tweaking and tuning, we really dialed it in. And, and I think what you felt was, was exactly where we're at. It's, it's got a nice firm pedal. It's always there. It's consistent. And that consistency, right, we talked about the TKs. We talked about the suspension, right? This, the intent of this vehicle, yes, is to go fast. But as a driver, you really want to feel like the truck always has your back whether it's stopping, whether it's going, whether it's turning. And uh, the brakes are just one more aspect of that, right? Uh, we were, speaking of go fast, we are talking about the top speed being 118 miles an hour. You guys had uh, Goodyear Territory tires. They're 315 wide, which is, you know, like, what, 12.2 inches or something like that. I mean, nice wide footprint. But was, what was funny is they're so they're, was it T speed rated is 118 or something like that? So 118 miles an hour. You really, really wanted to hit 118 and the quarter mile, and you came up short. But the number you guys came up with is not unimpressive. Yeah, when I uh, when I look at my goals at the end of the year, I, I guess I get a demerit. You know, somewhere in the back of my head, I was really hoping we could claim we hit top speed in the quarter mile, <laughs> and uh, we're about 10 miles per hour short, unfortunately, at 108. We, yeah, as you say, which means 108, <laughs> which is what a lot of competitors just hit on top end. Uh, and, you know, credit goes to Goodyear. Uh, they came in very early and, and worked with us. Right? We expect this tire to work again in snow, in sand. We want it to be resilient when you're rock crawling. And, uh, you know, people will say, you know, 118. Well, boy, you know, uh, SRT 10, this is a 35-inch off-road yeah, right, tire. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll take a ton of abuse, and it will haul the mail. I mean, it, it, this truck will move, and it will get there like that. Well, you guys had on the 6.2, there's some uh, adaptations for the truck. Uh, one of those is a 32-inch water fording. You guys moved the alternator up to the top. Uh, I wonder if the Jeep guy, the former Jeep guy I'm talking to, had anything to do with that. But the alternator sits on top of the block. You also have a 7.9-liter deep-sump baffled oil pan, which is super in impressive. And then the... the um, Functional hood scoop, uh, we've talked about it before, where it's pulling from the grill, also pulling from the hood scoop. It mixes, spins out all the sand, comes out the bottom. You have two 8-inch by 12-inch air filters that last four times longer than the closest competitor. Yeah, believe it or not, there is actually a SAE specification for how much debris you can accumulate. Uh, it is both for the type of media and actually the whole test methodology. And when we run our airbox versus the competitor, it is truly four times the amount of debris it can accumulate before you see any power uh, reduction. 
again, back to that consistency thing, right? The power is always there. It doesn't matter if you're following and your buddy's dust cloud because clearly he must have a TRX if he's ahead of you going across. I, I was following in Josh uh, Hall's uh, dust cloud today. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah, this thing will filter out a massive amount of sand. And also, right, I mean, like you said, we, we're very serious about our water fording. Um, <clears throat> and tell you what we you know we put cameras inside we put cameras outside and and you, you see that as that baby is blasting through water there is there's water moving everywhere <laughs> but on the top side on the clean side of those filters it is dry and clean and uh, that's exactly what you want from a performance standpoint how are the door seals i asked this because i was <laughs> testing a uh, a competitor vehicle um and uh crossed i was probably 30 inches of water doing a water crossing and the vehicle itself was fine, but the rear door seal started leaking, and I got water on the rear floorboard. So it's one of those things where you go, "Well, yeah, the engine didn't, you know, it didn't suck in and hydrolock, but damn it, I got water inside anyway." <laughs> Trevor may ask you to cut this one out, but <laughs> I will tell you, we make cars, not boats. Uh, obviously, they are not watertight, but um, you know, I, I've crossed rivers with you before, right, in New <laughs> yeah, Zealand. That's true. That's true. I certainly wouldn't suggest you park it in the river but keep for, it moving for for the types of crossings and the things you've engineered the vehicle for you'd be surprised it stays pretty dry in there at 32 inches okay i think that's fair all right um i, I know i know we've probably gone a little bit longer this so three things i want to touch on really quick is there's a couple other changes that you made one of the things that you we kind of walked around the engineering um chassis and you showed me on the steering rack you guys actually have end caps which house the bearings in the end of it so that the three millimeter larger tie rods and the steering system isn't leveraging against the case, right? So there's more bearing support on the edge of that. And I thought that was kind of a novel idea because I don't know if I've ever seen anybody add end caps to the steering rack to, to solve that problem before. Yeah, uh, when you talk about the additional weight of this vehicle to meet all the rest of its objectives and also the bigger tire, uh, we, again, from that upfront acquisition work, we knew that we had to get after the steering system uh, it was not great for the manufacturing process to go in there and make those changes, but yeah, we, we actually spaced out uh, the end bearing surfaces on the gear uh, to, to, to really stiffen it up and also uh, reduce any kind of bending or deflection in, in the whole steering system, which again kind of gives you that nice tight steering feel. Okay, uh, t two of three. Uh, let's talk half shafts for a minute because they're not the sexiest part of the uh, the vehicle. But the reality is, is if you're anybody who's taken a stock platform vehicle and you've gone desert racing and you go four inches wider per side on A-arms or whatever, you always run into the issue if you keep four-wheel drive, what are you going to do for half shafts? And there's companies out there that make stuff. A lot of people over the years have done Porsche 930 joints or, you know, there's a, a million different ways to do it. And some people just don't do it and you pop balls all the time. Uh, you guys kind of have a, a novel solution that I think you see a little bit in the aftermarket and race trucks and sort of adapted it to the OE. So maybe talk about why your CV axles in the front are, are so special. Yeah, we, uh, again, the 13 inches of front travel uh, really creates quite a challenge from a, from a plunge standpoint on those joints. We want nice, strong joints, but we can't be having anything pull out, right? So we've gone to a what we call a ball spline half shaft, and it truly has a... A, a roller bearing equipped uh, plunge joint mid shaft like you'd see in a rear prop per se but actually with with a, a ball bearing interface and um, that really gives us that extra I'll say uh, uh, length plunge to handle all that massive wheel travel 
and uh, from a you know a durability standpoint it gives us a leg up to make sure that we've we can accommodate that travel consistently um one of the things we were talking about was obviously the Bill Stein suspension has what is referred to as maybe a jump mode, so it knows when the vehicle's left the ground. But you actually told me today something interesting that I haven't heard anywhere else, and that's that the engine management system actually has jump mode detection as well. And you do some really novel things inside the powertrain to mitigate a landing, no matter what the person or the driver's doing in terms of the throttle application. Maybe just walk us through that really quick. Yeah, we're really proud of the, the engine or the powertrain control side of jump detection. It's using those same wheel position sensors. Uh, it, it knows exactly where those wheel ends are, and when when it detects you've left to the ground, right, it, uh, it does not upshift, right, so you don't get a, a rude low RPM landing. Uh, it also manages torque at redline. So uh, I think today you heard some real cool pop crackling noises. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. We open up the clutch on the TK. So again, as that front axle lands, you don't get a spike load and a shock through the drive line. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where we pride ourselves on, you know, we, we made this truck to do it all and, and to do it all in a way that just, just keeps you grinning. And, uh, there would be nothing worse than than pulling a hero move off some <laughs> lip and then landing at like 1200 rpms because we upshifted three times because you were in the air <laughs> yeah, getting right. free wheel spin uh so it, again it's just kind of kind of leveraging the whole corporation and all that I mean, we've got some great controls guys and and just kind of putting it into a package again where the smiles just keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah, anybody who didn't have fun today has is soulless, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, one last, one last thing I want to mention, just because this is the bonus round. Um, the competition requires 10,000-mile service intervals on their shocks, and that's in the addendum that comes in the owner's manual. So a lot of people probably aren't aware of that. They probably think that those shocks are, are sealed. Um, but they do require maintenance. Talk about, I know Jason, when he was on from Bill Stein, talked about the durability, but I want to hear it from the Ram side of the house um, and talk about some of the technology that allowed these to be sealed for life and what were some of the things you were impressed with with the Bill Stein offering where you went, these things are going to last the life of the vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I, I will certainly defer to Jason. I, I feel like between you and Jason, you probably have more technical <laughs> details than I have at this point. But um, you alluded to it before, right? We've, we've been a partner with Bill Stein for a long time. And we have had really excellent results uh, across the board. <clears throat> and in, in the case of this truck, it, it's really the same deal. The hardware is there. We went in knowing the environment this truck was going to run in. So, you know, we talked before, right, this, the seal as it wears continues to, to load up against the shaft and it actually continues to seal, right, which is, that, that's why it's great to have such a great technical partner, uh, but also, we talked before, right? There's the frame. There's there's so many aspects to the durability of this truck, and knowing that the sh the shock and the ceiling of the shock was not going to be one of the things we really had to focus on. Not that we don't focus on it, right? right. But it was not the high priority. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a huge customer. You didn't have to worry about it essentially. Now we were talking durability, and I for some reason I thought Jason said it was something like 2x. You're saying that these shocks pass 3x what your typical durability on the shock was, which I think is an unbelievable number when you think of a, a standard Ram going down the road at 100,000 miles and still having the factory shocks on there to have a performance variant that A, doesn't need to be rebuilt, but isn't just for 10 years or isn't just for 100,000 miles. These things really went the distance on your testing. That's for sure. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it. We, we built a dedicated test facility for this truck 
It is a true torture test of the vehicle. We went through, we have the data, we know all of the loads and, and all of the, uh, oh man, the, the, the actual life duty cycle of what that, that durability cycle means. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking wear parts, piston wear bands, oil inside of it, all those things all, all matter when you're looking at the life cycle of, of a shock. Yeah, and, and the, the massive forces, right? I yeah. mean, we are asking the shock to do a lot and it delivers consistently. And um, Bilstein goes through and, and they take those loads and they go to the next level to make sure that it's not a concern, like you said. Um, it, the shocks play such a big role in controlling all the travel of this truck. Uh, and, and knowing that we've got a strong technical solution, a durable technical solution, is, is, is really helpful to the cause, obviously. Well, I know it's uh, getting late and we went over time a little bit, but I really wanted to sit down with you because we've, we've, again, we've talked about shocks with Jason. Uh, we talked with Josh about driving, but I really wanted to drill down with you on some of these really interesting engineering solutions that you came up with on TRX. So again, this is uh, Jeff Roselli, chief engineer for, for TRX. Um, I don't know how else to say amazing job. This, this truck is, is so, I mean, honestly, a, a new standard has been set in this segment. Um, so impressive i can't wait for other people to not just take my word but go out and drive them um i understand they should be available before the end of the year and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing them out on the road because they look pretty cool uh, in it, whether they're in a dirt road or a, a paved road they have some serious road presence yeah it's been really great you know as as the trucks you know as we pulled camo off and as the trucks were kind of out and running in the wild uh it's been really awesome to hear the stories i uh my program manager got pulled over uh, and, and it was not for speeding. It was because the, the officer at that point just wanted to see the truck. I mean, those are just the great stories that you hear out there. And, and uh, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I, I, really, I really do believe in this product. And it's the result of a lot of hard work by a lot of really, really just great team members. And um, I, I'm, I'm really proud of the final result. And, and I think anybody who gets behind the wheel is just going to be super impressed with it. It's, it's, it's a great package. Well, uh, kudos to your team on the TRX. I, I can't wait to get some more miles behind it, and thanks for uh, spending some time with us on the Truck Show Podcast. Thanks a lot, Sean. All right, Holland, that was awesome. Goodbye. <laughs> I guess we'll do uh, email next week. Yeah, I don't have time, man. That's uh, a three-hour freaking show here. Woohoo! Oh, my God. Truck, free truck, free the truck. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, the Truck Show, oh, we give you uh, all your money and more for our free programming. Does that make sense? I don't no, know. I don't know what you're it's saying. It's super late right now. You, guys, you don't have any idea how late this show is for us. Uh, yeah, usually we record on Tuesdays. It posts up on uh, Sunday night for Monday. Right now is Sunday night, almost Monday. So for those no. of you who are worried that the episode hasn't posted yet, uh, it's Hol coming. Holman, look at your watch and tell me what day it is. Monday! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> Alright, leave us a message, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, and we will read your email on the next episode. Promise, promise, promise. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. 657-205-6105. And I, I want your message to open the next show. All right, and you can also find us on the socials. He's at LBC Lightning. I'm at Sean P. Holman. We are at Truck Show Podcast. I think what we need to do is um, an, 
a USODE where we go through all of our thousands of social messages. Listen, if you guys email us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, that's where we do everything. I know if you DM us or send Facebook messages, every once in a while we try and interact with you. It's just too many places. So if you really want to get on the show, send it to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I, I do. I think we should do a catch-up episode where we answer like all of the questions from the last, I don't know, three, six months that have been lingering in our social account inboxes. I try to go through them. There's some really good Facebook messages. I, there's some great stuff, but it's just I just can't. We just, it's hard to have 20 different places to pull messages from. Well, so. I have a couple I have a couple DMs that I'm going to read okay. on the next episode, and uh, I'll pull a few Facebook messages, and you will scour our email, and we'll pull it all together. All right. It's a USO. I still want to do a USO. Oh, so the next one is not a USO? No, no, no. The, the next one is cool. We it's got a, some cool stuff on it. It's there. a semi USO. No, no, no. The next next episode's a regular it, it's episode. Only, it's only a little USO? I think we should do a bonus USO, is what I'm saying. Oh. So more free truck content. Okay. But because we're giving you free truck content, all we ask is that you support our uh, our sponsors. And so please head down to your Nissan dealer and buy yourself a Titan or Titan XD. Or Frontier. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty on the Titans? I mean, come on. Support the show. One Titan purchase will feed your truck show podcast host for one year. <laughs> it so, really will. Yeah, if everybody buys a Titan, oh, the we're Benzo, all good. Are we buying high-quality meat? It doesn't matter. I just want a full belly. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll overcook it if I need to. <laughs> so go out there, grab a Frontier, grab a, a commercial van, grab a Titan, Titan XD, NissanUSA.com. Check out the uh, the Nissan lineup of trucks. Support your uh, favorite podcast host, and then also uh, our friends Don't over stop there. Oh, okay, thank yeah, God. no, no, no. We, we, we also need the sustenance of you buying uh, decked products. So we're asking for a lot here. No, we give ourselves weekly. On time. Oh, you know what? Free truck content. You know, we're not one of those Patreon shows that are like, hey, you can listen for $3 a month. No, No, we do it for free. Free, Brosif. But but I'm going to post a picture of Lightning with a fly on his eye to get you guys to feel sorry (laughs) for us if you don't support your favorite podcast host. You mean my head like Pence? No, like those sad commercials where they always say, please support whoever for $5. Oh, the kid that needs eye I'm just asking, go buy a truck or a truck accessory from Nissan or Decked and support us so that we can keep doing this. That's all. Yeah, what he said. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like to open the show, leave a message on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. My brain is malfunctioning.